The Bite Goes On is up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. Croatian cookies, pepperoni rolls, and cooking lunch on a steel blast furnace. This week, we're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to ride inclines, watch racing pierogies, and eat a sandwich topped with french fries and coleslaw. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with my returning friend from Mexico City, Sandra Bernstein. How was your trip? Hola. Hola. Well, I got through customs with five liters of Mezcal. Wait, you want to be... Is this legal? Yes, you're oh, allowed okay. to bring five liters back from Mexico. <laughs> I don't know why you're telling this but story. You're like no, sneaking in. No, I did. In. I did. And um, we have a really cool guest today, but I'm just going to do a tiny recap. And um, I just ate the most incredible food all week in Mexico City. Well, yeah, I noticed on your Instagram account that you couldn't... On it, Fig Chronicles. On Fig you Chronicles. Have to look at Fig Sorry. Chronicles. That, yeah. Um, yeah, it was never just a posting of one meal. It was like nine pictures in no, a square. No, that was one meal. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was nine dishes in one meal. There are no meals that are joined together in a post. None. So that's uh, w- so when it's. I, I had. So you tried I ate, all of those things on. Yes. I know. So someone wrote on Facebook, I won't say who it was. They wrote, do you ever stop eating? And I responded, yes, when I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta breathe. But then I probably dream about food. Well, and, you're, and you were drinking too. So when and you I were drinking, drinking you... too yeah. and eating. But it was, um, it was more than I expected. Mexico City is just, I mean, if you look at my pictures for sure, they're just colorful and textural and it's loud and... People are so kind and so lovely, and Ubers are so cheap. It's like you could drive for ten minutes and it'd be like buck fifty. Well, yeah, because walking. What is it like oh, with the altitude? Yeah, it was hard, but I did like eight, nine, ten thousand steps a day. I did so much walking. Um, I was huffing and puffing going up the stairs at the B and B. it's like oh it's, my what, God. what is it like seven thousand? Eight thousand. Eight thousand. It's like almost Vail. Wow. Almost Aspen, I think. But it was, and it's really smoggy. It's like the you bring up the weather app and it says bad air day, oh, wow. <laughs> unhealthy air day. But you only see less than one, like maybe a dozen people with a mask on in a day. Not that many people care. And everywhere you go, every single corner, there is a food kiosk. There's a stand. There's tacos. There's tripe. There's vertical rotisserie. There's fruit and i the thing i just kept thinking is like all the smog and all this car exhaust getting on these things of meat hanging that's the flavor it's the flavor it is <laughs> but i didn't do a lot of that i did get sick one day which was not good but they found me the right medicine and i powered through okay and um it just food was amazing and i went to um pujol which is right. one of the top. I went to a restaurant I never heard of, Larea, and went to another restaurant, Milia, which is a big restaurant company with a lot of concepts. And um, 
I have different ratings for different things, like different rating for food, you know, and Pujol was not number one. Hmm. You know, it was a cool experience, and I, it was a taco omakase, which is very cool concept because taco can be so many different things. And met some cool people from Mexico City, and it was kind of a hipster place. I was the right. old lady in the hipster <laughs> place. But it was a really cool trip and feel very energized. And even though I, there's nothing I can do with any of this stuff, which is why I went to Mexico City is to not do work. Right. Um, I just, I like want to have a mezcal and taco party. And I heard you say that earlier, yeah. which sounds like great. Like I could do it on the patio one day in January or February when, you know, patio would be closed. And yeah. Well, do... who's making the tacos? Oh, we have plenty of people that know how to I, make tacos. I was going to say the best tacos that I've actually ever had are right now. It's, <laughs> it's the cooks on like a yeah, Tuesday totally. night. They, they get whatever yeah. meat is, you know, exactly. not going to be served the next yeah. day. And they do some the a couple different salsas. And yeah. 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 Oh my God. Went to this restaurant called Nico's, which is a very old restaurant. And they make salsa table side. And you actually pick oh. between the green tomatoes, the yellow tomatoes, four or five different kinds of peppers. And they just have their, you know, mortar and pestle thing. And they're just like, how much spice do you want? It's incredible. Wow. Fabulous. But anyway, um, the lost art of table the service. Lost art. Yeah. Is, so we'll, uh, we'll have to do a Mexico city show. So I can talk about everything okay? because we have a really <laughs> cool guest today, which is really fun. And we'll go from um, Mexico City back to Sonoma to uh, Louisiana, New Na- Orleans. Narlins. Na- Narlins. Narlins. Nola. Narlins. Nola. Welcome, Thaddeus <laughs> Palmies. Hi, guys. Um, Chef. So about New Orleans... Um, no one says Narlins, nobody. Oh, just Brian it's like, Casey. It's well, it's oh, and the tourists. People outside of it, yeah. yeah. Like, like that's like calling the city Frisco. You don't right, it's uh, right. Not a, yeah, that's not a thing true. you do. Uh-huh. Um, you, you can say, uh, you know, New Orleans. That works. New Orleans. You can say the way most people from New Orleans say it is New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, but they do not say New Orleans. Okay, they don't. And they break up the yeah, ladder. So those are the two like taboo, not New Orleans mm-hmm. and not New Orleans, but mm-hmm. New Orleans mm-hmm. and New Orleans. New Orleans. That's the way New Orleans. you would hear it. So. Now, and how about you, them Saints, huh? Oh, how right. About I was going to say, yep. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, sports. Crazy. That's baseball, uh, No, right? I'm kidding. Baseball? <laughs> no. Basketball? No. Football. Football. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, were you born there? No, actually, I was born in Pasadena. Oh my goodness! Yeah, great town. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Hunting, Huntington Memorial, just like my dad. My oh. grandmother was a nurse there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather in L.A. was a um, first. He was a pharmacist, and then if, after pharmacy school, he went to school some more and became a lawyer. Wow! Um, and so he was kind of a uh, who's who in the lawyer community in like the '50s, '60s L.A. You know, mm. um, yeah, my dad recount stories of being, you know, being a kid and being watching him try sit in the courtroom and watch cases be tried, oh, stuff like that. Fine. So um, that's one side. Uh, uh, my mom's folks, I guess they settled after my grandpa was done with the Navy. They wound up in the East Bay, um, Hayward area, and then um, they both wound up in San Francisco somehow. So that my parents met in Golden Gate Park. 
Like, oh, yeah. it, like a concert in the 60s? Yeah, like 1968 or yeah. something, you know. They were oh, in the hippie awesome. counterculture uh-huh. thing. There's actually, if you watch the video of that when that guy got stabbed at Altamont, oh. you know, when they were playing, when the Rolling Stones were playing yeah, was the, Sympathy the, for the Devil. And, and there was, there was uh, Hell's a, Angels. Yeah, the yeah. Hell's Angels were security. And yeah. then some, they were at that some guy got stabbed. If you watch the footage of it, you see my mother in there twice. Whoa. Like wow. popping in and out of the crowd, yeah. And she tells me stories. Was going up. She goes, yeah, I was on the speakers at Altamont, and I go, no, you weren't. Uh, and then I saw the video clip. And it's like, yeah, she was. There she is. I see her. So you know, making that stuff up, awesome. smoking a big fatty. My mom embellishes some, so sometimes she tells me stories, and I go, uh, but no, she's uh, yeah. she was there for sure. That's how she remembers it, right? Uh, exactly. We yeah. gotta appreciate our mothers for whatever they remember. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have no. a mic today. Yeah, well, my mom's so- sitting in, but we did not give her a mic. Nope. <laughs> we'll just give her a mic stand. Give her a mic stand. <laughs> we, uh, but but so, how old were you when you got to? Well, okay. The weird thing. So we went to the south. My um, oh. my parents split up. They moved from San Francisco to Bend, Oregon. My dad still lives outside oh, of Bend in a little a nice town area. called Prineville, or as he calls mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, Prine Tucky. Um, oh. <laughs> So he has a horse rescue there. You know, he just basically adopts wayward animals. Wow. He dogs, cats, horses, whatever. He's about seven or eight horses now, I think. Um, at least, I don't know. Maybe it's only six. I can't remember. Anyway. Um, yeah. So after they split up, my dad stayed there. My mom ran off with the new guy. And they wound, <laughs> up, in, they wound up in Pensacola, Florida. You know, the buckle of the Bible belt. You know what I mean? Um, and that's where my, that's because that's where my grandparents had moved. My mom's parents had moved there. And then they got sick and they were dying. And that's where we stayed. And then uh, my stepdad was a DJ and he traveled. Like on radio? Yeah, or radio like, DJ. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, do you remember the show um, WKRP in Cincinnati? Yeah. For sure. So the theme song goes, part of it goes town to town, up and down the dial. Yeah. That's what he did. He was one of those guys that would you know, every jingle? couple of years would go from DJing at one city to the next city over to the next city over. Oh. So we wound up after Pensacola, we wound up in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Whoa. Um, and then, uh, then we wound up in Mobile, Alabama. And that is where my mother and sisters and, um, my, uh, nieces and nephews of my sister, you know, my niece and nephews from my sisters all live. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Still. Yeah, three nieces, okay. a nephew, two sisters. Wow. And I've uh, actually been mom. to Mobile, Alabama. I've been to Birmingham. I opened a TGI Fridays there. Ah, I went to a Kentucky Fried Chicken in Mobile. Mm. Just that's the only reason you went? Uh, flew in uh, the Olympics 96. Instead of flying into Atlanta, it was kind of crazy, so flew in. Yes, um, that's, and then yeah. went to Kentucky we would drive Fried from Chicken. Atlanta, yeah. Um, and they had a buffet. Mm. Wow. I'd never seen a Kentucky Fried Chicken buffet before. Where all like this with the chicken or just like the coleslaw and all the sides? Everything was out there. Wow. So you could just pay for buffet. And I didn't know what okra was. And so I had to ask and the woman made fun of me. Aww. Oh, and you're scarred from it. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember her saying, even the Croatian soccer team knew what okra was. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like, hilarious oh, okay. that's pretty funny oh my God. I have a I have an okra related story <laughs> from another country I'll tell you later but um, <laughs> so but yes anyway so, so we bounce to these little southern out. towns mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at so um, you know and you actually should hear my mom talk now because it's like um, when so growing up when we first got to the south and I, I would 
say ain't and you know pick it up from the kids at school she's like ain't ain't's not a word or whatever you know right. um she'd say you need to enunciate better things like that she was very her her mother was very uh, proper prim and proper mm-hmm. woman yes catholic um uh, hospital corners when she made the beds no oh. dust in her house plastic covers on the furniture stuff like mm-hmm. that right mothballs in every closet like this you I, should be an author <laughs> is that one of your things are you a writer because you're very descriptive I no, I don't write. I've I've dabbled with the idea of it. Yeah, because oh, I can like you say, and I can visualize like exactly what you're saying. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah, yeah that's that's my um, that's um, that was my grandma. Yeah, and my mom is like that a lot too. She's very tidy. She's bric-a-bracky, but she's every there's no dust on anything. <laughs> um, so she um was very kind of strict with how I would talk growing up. You know, she didn't want me to sound southern. Really, because she was a recent transplant, and you, when you, when I talk to her now, she's like, "Hey, hon, me and your sisters had a great time on Mother's Day." <laughs> and she just said, "Thick as syrup, Southern mom accent." It just, I love it now, but it's just, it's one of those things that I think back on it now. It's like, oh, the irony, yeah. um, you know. Well, and your still, stepdad, did he talk? Did he talk like this? Hey, we're going to the, oh, we're really, going out he, today. He really had that. Uh, he had that. Not so much that meter, you know. Not sort of the over the top um but he, he had a great voice for radio mm-hmm. he had a, he had a deep voice and it was really kind of silky um i'm surprised he didn't go further in radio mm-hmm. really um but honestly it didn't pay that well to be a dj so he would supplement his dj salary by doing sales to sell radio ads right. and that's what he did his my entire childhood mm-hmm. pretty much um and was he spinning country music is that what it was he worked or? anywhere he worked oh, everywhere from a pop cool. station to a country station. It was basically whoever would pay him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was one of those things. Like, so, you, you know, you would send it, you do your, your gig, and then you, you make a demo tape, and you send it out to another station. You try to get a station to pay you more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a lot like chefing coming up. You know, yeah. you're a line cook, yeah. and you try to keep going. Once you get a little a little bit of skill under your belt, you try to try to go sell that off to the highest bidder at another yeah. restaurant. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. you leverage your way up the money ladder yeah. and the responsibility ladder, usually, in, mm-hmm. in restaurants. So I guess radio works a little bit like that. You know, hmm. so it was, yeah, growing up in the South, that's I, all over the place. So when people ask where I'm from, then I went living in Dallas, Texas okay. um, for, for years. So like I got to work for Stephen Piles. Oh, very when I worked cool. There, yeah. Uh, Coyote at, Cafe. Star Canyon. Yeah. Actually, which was, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, that was a big, the, it was when a big he deal. was in Texas, cause he opened something in, gave him something in Vegas later in, on, I think that also, I think Arizona, I thought maybe. Yeah, I don't really, yeah, I don't yeah. follow his career so huh. much anymore. I mean, I, I actually, I follow him on Instagram and yeah. I see some of the cool stuff he does huh. and he's all over the place. Um, and yeah, he's a neat guy. He just, when he gets bored with a concept, he'll just like, man, I'll shut it down, do something else. That must be nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. And um, I'm still in contact with a lot of the guys that, that I worked with there um, via, you know, Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook and stuff like uh, Social media definitely yeah. connected us. Yeah, and actually, you know? there's a you know what's weird is uh, you know fatted calf. Yeah. So Taylor Bedecker, yeah. the owner of that, yeah. he did his stage in at Star Canyon while I was oh, there. So wow. I know him from That's like 22 so years crazy. ago or whatever. We used to go out and get drunk together. They get served it. alcohol underage at bars. And, uh, <laughs> I yeah, remember they did well for themselves. Yeah, did a good job. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Yeah. He busted his ass. Yeah, I'm sure. Totally. So you got to. Nobody's um, making it without. D- working their butt off in this business yeah, absolutely so and having a good product you know, right which he I've right. had his it's, yeah it's delicious it's yeah yeah so but it's really weird so just anyway back so to the southern thing Texas bouncing around and then mm. and then new orleans mm-hmm. new orleans 
New Orleans. Yeah, either one. New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. <laughs> it just like let it flow like one word. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Almost like another W in it. New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the a W carries into the O. New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. So when I was about 21, I had been working. Oh at, my God, you're not even 21 yet with this whole story? Yeah, I worked for. Oh uh, my God. I got a job working for Steven. I've been in the kitchen since I was 15 years old. Started out washing dishes mm-hmm. and then worked at a Mexican joint and then worked as a dishwasher and a busboy over here at this place and then got a job bar backing at another place. And then, um, you know, you work your way up sort of. And like I said, you get you have to get a little bit of clout. You know, like I, I, I basically would keep taking jobs I wasn't qualified for, you know, and then get get my ass handed to me until I got it together. Figure it out. And then. Yeah, when I worked at, took on Sir Canyon, it was one of the top five tables in Dallas, and I had no idea what I was doing. And within the first week, I was almost fired three times. Um, but I said, just give me a minute. I'll get it together. And within a couple of more weeks, I did, and I kept it, and I was there for, you know, a, a year and a half probably. You know, mm-hmm. I worked through every station in that kitchen. And then I took all that to New Orleans. That's what we, me and my, me and my wife at the time. I have an ex-wife. Um, I have an 18-year-old son. Wow. Um, they're in, they're in Philly. Oh, um, that's where I'm from. Oh, cool. Yeah. They live out in Flower Town. Where? Flower Town. So like a Flower sub- Town? Yeah. I don't know where Flower Town is. It's a suburb. Is. I don't. It's it's out there. It's uh 18-year-old son. Wow. Yeah. yeah just turns. Um, <clears throat> so um, anyway, we, we wound up, want, we wanted to be near our family. Her family's from Mobile, too. We'd actually have known mm-hmm. Max's wife since middle school since we were 13. Mm. Oh. She wanted to be near her family who still lived there. I wanted to be closer to my family who's still there. So we did not want to live in Mobile. Um, it's a little bit um, little bit country. Um, <laughs> it's actually become a lot. The, the is it pretty Baptist? It, it is. Uh, her family actually was Methodist, I think. But yeah, we mm. so like my mom drug me to Baptist church and Pentecostal church, like the crazy level of like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, we can get into that some, some <laughs> other part of the story. But um that was a phase that we went through when I was younger. Um, but that, yeah, that whole um, thing of want, wanting to be near family, but we were in Dallas, which is a 10 hour drive and New Orleans is only like a two hour drive away mm-hmm. from Mobile. So like, that's more manageable. So that's what we thought. We went to New Orleans to check it out. We fell in love immediately because wow. we were, you know, doe eyed 21 year olds. Um, and she had just graduated SMU um, with two degrees and a teaching certificate. Mm-hmm. So she decided she was going to go teach in New Orleans, um, public school of all things, which mm. turned out to be a whole eye awakening thing. You know, what age? Fourth grade of what she was mm. teaching. Mm. But it's just crazy to think like it, she was more. She lamented that she was more uh, a disciplinarian than a teacher because of because of the demographic of the kids she was teaching. Mm-hmm. And most of them were from the projects. Yeah, because mm-hmm. at least there's sort of a. <clears throat> There still is some segregation in towns in the South, and, and it's economic. It really is. There's a certain mm-hmm. sort of systemic poverty that has been gone on for years and years and years, generations, actually. And the fruit of that is kids that don't really have a lot of good parenting. Mm-hmm. And and they're disenfranchised, or they don't see the and benefit. And lucky if they go to school. Yeah, or if they graduate yeah, high school. I mean, if that, they graduate so, or even they show up every day. Yeah, well, if, I mean, if you don't have, you know you're not if you I mean some people just some kids would show up just because there's lunch you know what I mean right um but or it's warm yeah there's a lot of well 
it didn't get that cold in New Orleans, thankfully, but you know, um, and a lot of the schools, yeah, a lot of them don't have, didn't have air conditioning, even though it'd mm -hmm. be, I mean, yeah. how are you supposed to learn when it's, you know, 90% humidity soaked. and yeah. it's 90 degrees You're in your classroom. Dripping. Yeah. And you don't, there's no air conditioning. Like there's, yeah. there was a lot of problems with the public school mm -hmm. system. In New Orleans. I'm not an expert on it by any means. I just know what I would hear from my ex-wife when she would come home and talk about what she had to do. It was so much to the point that I actually drove her to the private sector. She went to teach at a Catholic oh. school. She's like, I yeah. can't, I yeah. can't. Well, she didn't want to sit in ninety degree humidity well, weather either. She's well. She, also, she's not that character. She's not a disciplinarian. Right. She's a right. teacher. Right. And she's, a, you know, wanted a, to teach. Exactly. Yeah. So that was sort of a neat thing. Anyway. What was your first job in New Orleans? Uh, Mike's on the Avenue. I worked for Chef Mike Fennelly, which you may have known. He actually opened a place in uh, in San Francisco. And when he moved out here to open his place in San Francisco, he brought with him a gal as his sous chef, his executive sous, was a gal named Brenda Benvenieja. And you might know her from Brenda's. Oh, yeah. French soul food. Yeah. Which, can, I just say, just, can I just comment on how brilliant that name is? Yeah. If you say you do Creole food or Cajun food or some in between or what, like most people in the country don't know the difference between Creole and Cajun to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and you, I mean, you can explain it to them and they still might not get it, but if you're not been there and you're not really a little bit immerse yourself in the culture a little bit, you're still not going to quite get it. Calling it French soul food is brilliant. Because you can go back and forth. Yeah, it's so, everybody knows what soul food is. Right. Everybody knows kind of what French food is. And even if you don't know exactly what French soul food is, it doesn't alienate you from the idea. But when you say Creole, people go, I don't know if I'm going to like that. Mm -hmm. We've said soul food. Is Creole more wet and Cajun's more dry? It's no, it's more about country folk and city folk. Okay. Um, the Cajun, the word Cajun actually comes from Acadian. So there were a bunch of French people who settled in Arcadia, Canada, and then um, the English won it back, and uh, they sent in an English governor, and he said, you know, you have to swear your allegiance to the crown, and the Frenchman said, I don't think so, you know, and so they split back to France which still owned the Louisiana territory. So a lot of those guys who were kind of hard scrabble hunters and trappers and, you know, living off the land up in Arcadia, they just moved it down to Southern Louisiana. Mm -hmm. uh, God forsaken mosquito infested bayou full of <laughs> alligators and possums. And now, you know, Seriously, can I, can I better than going like, home. We're, we're just right? reading a novel right now. <laughs> right. That's what we're doing. It's a, we're, we're on audible listening to an audible book. Yeah. Thanks. You'll, you'll flatter me. Thank you. But no, it's, I'm it's serious. It's, um, it was fun. It, it really is. It's neat to see that the, the, the history of that, um, that culture. And then you think, okay, well, you know, you've got mom and dad and kids and everybody who's part of this, this, you know, this tough life and they, everybody helps put food on the table right so let's say what are you going to do you put a pot on in the morning and you come back in the afternoon and it's done you know what i mean and that was sort of how that went so cajun food to me is a lot uh, it might be a lot of one pot stuff it's and a cajun's lot of the country yeah and that's creoles the, the city yeah and then the, so the creoles were more that food was born out of rich french aristocrats who had slaves and their slaves mm -hmm. cooked their food, mm -hmm. bringing some of their slave identity with it, bringing some of the African stuff in, bringing in some okra. Okra's from Africa. Mm -hmm. In fact, the word gumbo is African, Afrikaans in one dialect. I don't know which one, but for mm -hmm. for okra. Mm -hmm. So that's why mostly you find okra in gumbo. But um, mm. yeah. I could go for some gumbo right now. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, I need to make yeah. a pot. Hmm. Yum. Mm. 
Yeah, well, you know where I am. Okay, now. that's a good point. Um, <laughs> so, I see what happened. Um, yeah, so the French aristocrats so had their had their slaves, Mike. and mm-hmm. they had uh, they did their cooking, and they imparted some of their their, their wisdom to it. Um, and soul food kind of was born out of that because they would take the scraps that the mm. that the the folks they worked for didn't want they weren't the good cuts and they would take that and simmer that down and that's sort of where you get things like turkey necks and like you know hog jowl and, and mm-hmm. pig feet so pickled eggs stuff like that mm-hmm. you have this way of preserving uh, things to um, for, for yeah, you to eat you know everything. yeah the greens the, mm-hmm. the you know and rice was affordable mm-hmm. um so it's it sort of there's all these different they're all interconnected or interwoven somehow so there there's a crossover between cajun and creole food for sure mm-hmm. um you know gumbo is both you know Did, but brenda's closed i think is that true she closed down i don't i don't i, thought, I haven't maybe I follow her. she i thought she opened another one it was or brenda's she, meet that's and, what it was brenda's moved. meet and three or whatever yeah maybe that's what which it is, is a, she an opened. old concept yeah yeah you know which is kind of cool that it's coming back that you can mm-hmm. walk in and go yeah i'll have the fried pork chop and then i want the mac and cheese and yeah. the collard greens yeah. and the cornbread or or no i don't eat cornbread yeah. cornbread actually that's too much no nashville I want. too same barbecue yeah. i found it in mobile yeah. too there yeah. somebody opened a meet and three and i was like yeah genius throwback you know so and then, so with with Chef Mike, I mean, you. I was there for a, for a while there uh, with Mike Fennelly, who's. Uh, what was he really, doing? He's doing a weird. He New was doing Orleans. like a fusion of New Orleans with Asian. He actually had a cookbook oh, wow. came out called Wabi Sabi, which is which is a, it's the Japanese concept of letting sort of the chips fall where they may. So right. like his plate ups weren't like I was. I remember I when, the first day I was there I was. I was plating up a, like a shellfish stew and I was turning the muscles up on the, on end. Right. And he said, don't do that. Just dump it in there. Like however it lands, it lands. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And so there was a, that was kind of neat, but it, so there was the new Orleans background and then there was this Asian that kind of grew into it. And then there was a little bit of Southwest in it. And actually he was a big fan of my chef, Steven in, mm. in, in fact, they knew each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steven said, I said, where should I go when I get to new Orleans? Where should I cook? And he's like, well, he mentioned Mike's on the Avenue one of them. Um, so that's, yeah, I was there for a couple of months. Then I went to work for some Frenchman uh, at a hotel. Then I wound up working for the Brennans. Um, oh. And then from the Brennans, I wound up working at, working for Emeralds mm-hmm. um, at Delmonico, which is like the high-end French old-school geared-on service with the stuffed shirt. Captain mm-hmm. never leaves your station, you know. Sommier, and they got another guy in that the does kitchen. your cigars. They still do that? Yeah. I was yeah. just there. I was there yeah. back uh, January. Yeah. How much do you got to charge for the food to have that kind of service? Uh, well, their minimum wage is lower. are so. pretty expensive. Hmm? Yeah, they're, yeah, these places are pretty expensive. They are. I didn't make it to either of them, which is really weird. Well, when I worked for the Brennans, I didn't actually work for like Brennan's Brennans. I actually worked for Ralph Brennan, who's one of the one of the sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a place called Redfish Grill, which was right on Bourbon Street. And you'd think Bourbon Street food, like maybe not, but actually, it was. It's one of the better it, restaurants in it? town. It is. You know, they have high standards. They do good food. They're. I learned a lot, but it was like a 700 covers a day kind of place. Yeah. Like you just jam constantly, yeah. which is fine when you're 24, right. you know, and you're just, and you're, you, you go in every night for the adrenaline rush. Like, yeah, want, yeah. So much fun. And that's what working in restaurants down there was like, you know, um, it just smelled like urine on that street. 
It does sometimes, but that's not. That's actually not the fault of. <laughs> that's not the fault of the New Orleanians. That's the fault no. of all the tourists who can't behave themselves. Oh, you know what? I believe that. I yeah. think that's absolutely true. Yeah, there's a lot of people who it's come from out of town. The only place I was scared the whole time because I was there on my own, and I love New Orleans, but I did not feel safe on Bourbon Street. It's not. I mean, there's pickpockets and there's you know, guys. Peeing all over the sidewalk. Well, there's yeah, there's the drunk, there's the there's the like the drunk college kids from out of town, right. and then there's like the bachelorette the, parties. Yeah, and or the or the bachelor parties. It's like you know, composed parties. of you know, yeah, sixteen rednecks from you know upstate or whatever, and they're coming. Woo, they let all they loose, get, yeah. yeah, they just want to get hammered. Yeah, some of them want to start a fight. I mean, it can yeah, be exactly. it can be a dangerous street to yeah. walk down. I agree, especially, but. I, can, I tend to stay away from it. Every now yeah. and then I would walk down there occasionally. Yeah. But I did. I worked a lot in the French Quarter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I didn't, when I'd get off work, I wouldn't go to that street. I'd go, right. you know, we were else. on Decatur Street, so we'd go to the Decatur Street bars, uh-huh. you know, which could also be super seedy and crazy. From when I lived, when, when I lived and worked there, I was up at the, the end by Canal Street, right? So I was near the casino and near the, we were right behind the Marriott. Mm. And uh, I worked at this little place called 201, um, which was the street address. And the sign was cool. It was like a, it was a little two and a big O and a little one, so it looked like a plate yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> that is cute. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'd get off work and we'd go down the down the street and if and if you you go down to the first bar and it's like eh, it's pretty seedy. Go to the next bar, that's eh, okay, but equally seedy. The further you would go down toward Esplanade on Decatur, the like the rougher and dirtier the bars got. You know, until you got to Esplanade and you crossed over to you know. Uh, into the Marini, and then it was like uh, it was a couple nice places over there. Mm-hmm. There's some that's where a lot of the really good music clubs still are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's starting to become a little bit Bourbon Street now, you know. Mm-hmm. You got more hustlers out there because there's more tourists and stuff. So, um, you, you know, the 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 really cool neighborhoods, like in any city, they tend to migrate once they get too popular. The right. locals are like, I'm not going down there. Yeah, exactly. Move a little bit. Start commuting. But yeah, it's um, that's a fun town. But. It's a really cool town. I had some really good meals, of course. But Mofo, do you know Mofo? No, I don't think so. Oh, I don't what's, know. What's Mofo? It's like a, a restaurant where a lot of chefs go to eat. Oh well, I mean, last time I haven't lived there in a long time. Last okay. time I was there, I was there kind of as a tourist, and so right. there was a lot of stuff that my There's wife some wanted new to stuff, hit. Yeah, you know, Stacy was very. She did her mm-hmm. research mm-hmm. as she's wont to do, and she does a lot of. She a lot of research. Yeah, well, because yeah, she wants to hit all these places. Yeah, and then we made yeah. some mistakes. Like we went to we went to Commander's Palace for lunch, and uh, then went to, and went to Delmonico's for dinner. Uh-huh. Wow, <laughs> you can't. And they're direct compet. Like they're in the same group. Right. You know what I mean? Like like you, it's the kind of place where you eat a really rich meal while you have a cocktail with it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's intense. Yeah. You know, um, but the f- the food is really th- those places. The food is really rich and fatty. There has been a change though. You know, mm-hmm. there has been sort of a, there's some other places we yeah, went that were just that, new... like, that, that, uh, were, um, different and, mm-hmm. and, you know, some fun fusion, you know, where right, you like taking tradition and lightening things up or, or just bringing a different just, ethnicity into right. it, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's some fun stuff like that where you would see a fusion between like some New Orleans and Vietnamese food or like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. You know, New Orleans and Middle Eastern food. So you, I'm getting, I'm eating hummus, and then mm-hmm. it has blue crab meat and fried sweet potato mm-hmm. on top of it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's that actually all yeah. really works, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and, and they're making you know twists on classic 
New Orleans mm-hmm. cocktails and things like that that really complement the food. So yeah. oh. it's to see that lighter side uh, being focused on. So a lot, I was really surprised this last time I went to New Orleans because when I cooked there, there wasn't as much light food and now there's mm-hmm. more people are more health conscious there and it's it, it's being reflected mm-hmm. in the food so this this image that we all have of just just really heavy french food Sauces, french creole covered yeah. in, everything right. covered in bernays and you know mm-hmm. mm. and uh it's mm. it's it's not so much like that anymore um but i mean the traditional stuff is always yeah shia Mm. There's a place we went called uh, Saba that was a Middle Eastern and New Orleans fusion mm-hmm. sort of feeling mm-hmm. thing. Um, I don't know if I got the Shia. Um, Just great food everywhere. We're yeah. so lucky. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And there, you were actually you were asking me earlier before we turned the mics on what, like, what was uh, differences between that part of my background and being mm-hmm. out here. Mm-hmm. Um, after I left New Orleans, I moved to L.A. for a couple of years and then up here. And oh, that's what I did. Yeah, and there's the not... The L.A. thing, man, that sucked. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But one in particular um, was, just, you know, it's just that no one really had the appreciation of the food and beverage culture that you have here and that you mm-hmm. have in New Orleans. Right. Good food, good beverages, good company, good fun with people. That's something that's that's ingrained in the culture of both places you know mm-hmm. we really love what we do here really proud of the, the all the great beer and wine and spirits we make mm-hmm. and we want to share that with people there it, it feels like it's in a display case there exactly yeah. like it's just like put on a pedestal and it just doesn't feel like real it it, does, it feels like it, here's what i would notice is that that restaurants that were trendy and popular in la at least at the time that i lived there it what all depended on who, who owned them right yeah you know what year uh, five six seven wow something like that yeah so 2005 yeah 2007 eight yeah. something like that i came up here in oh in i moved up here in october of oh eight and then oh god right before the recession mm-hmm. <laughs> i think that's the year the state opened i'd rather be here though right. in a recession that's true. <laughs> that is true yeah it was tough it really was yeah um and the you know the place we opened a little me and my cousins opened a little wine bar in sebastopol oh very cool called the starlight um, mm-hmm. and we did a lot of creole food because so here's the thing was that, it near the train it was in the train car I, that's what I thought. The big long train car, yeah. yeah we had that yeah. for seven years, I think. Wow. Yeah, it was quite an adventure. Um, <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? I just, you know, we could have done better. We didn't know what we were doing as much as we should have. We made good food. And we had a good environment. And we had we had a cool concept. But I think it was lost on a lot of people. The train was, that, that train car was one of six built that same year in 1949 at the Pullman factory mm. in outside of Chicago, right? Um, mm. And it was a bar car, right? Um, and there's only, I think there's maybe only one of them left. They use it in movies sometimes. I think it's down to Santa Clara somewhere, but it's like the, a sister car mm-hmm. to that. Um, uh, it was actually featured in the movie Flags of Our Fathers. Well, there's a bar car scene at the beginning of it. Oh, and that's, huh. this, that's the mm. sister car. And so mm-hmm. our car still had all the original appointments. It had all the, the, oh. the original glass and Mm-hmm. and polished aluminum trim and you know bevel glass mirrors and all that kind of stuff that made yeah, it look really cool, cool you know yeah. the old formica and stuff that uh, I, 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 I hear it's been 
gutted since. But mm. we had this groovy mid-century lounge feel. We would put all the old guys, the Rat Pack music on, and we mm. would and we served all you know Creole food mainly. But here's the thing: is the menus of of that era, you can find them um, honestly on eBay. Mm-hmm. Usually, is where we found them. Um, the menus would usually get destroyed, right? Or oftentimes, the me- they were menu cards, so they give them the you know, because at the time, I guess maybe some porters, they didn't read or write that well, right? right? So the customer would mark it and the whole menu would go back mm-hmm. to the kitchen and that's what they would make. Uh, and, yeah. and then it would just chuck the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, but there's a few people who, because at the time riding on the train was really fancy, so a few people would keep their Save menus. Like a souvenir. Yeah, and they would tuck them away. Mm-hmm. And so then they have them, so then like their kids find them years later and go, oh, this is cool. We'll see if we can't sell it on eBay for someone who's interested in this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'd find these old menus and I would look at the dishes on them and go, man, that's Creole food. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me that the, this particular line that our car was part of was part of the Southern Pacific Railways. Mm. And so um, they had a commissary in New Orleans as one of their stops. And it was like, so I could kind of see how that influence right. wound up on these menus because I was looking up specifically Southern Pacific menus from right. that era, from right. the 50s and 40s and 50s and stuff. And I found a cookbook from it. Um, mm. You know, just crazy stuff that... Um, that tied that tied it all together and so mm-hmm. we the front of the house gals dressed in period you know they had oh, on wow. you know mary janes and pedal pushers and their scarf tied sideways like this mm-hmm. and their hair up and a big ponytail and, mm-hmm. and you know the, the, they would wear period rings and and earrings stuff mm-hmm. and it, there was something really fun about it um yeah, it seems like a cool place to work yeah, yeah. and yeah. and it but it, I, I guess we just we never got enough traffic through there to just make it sustainable for mm-hmm. us so well, we, sebastopol's kind of weird i mean yeah Sebastopol is I don't know I think of it as kind of like a bigger Glen Ellen where you have you have people with money but then you have people you know just regular regular Joes and it's yeah yeah, I always wonder who your clientele is because not a lot of tourists in Sebastopol I mean I think now more than before just because of Airbnb some of the coolest Airbnbs I've seen have been out in Sebastopol there's one that's a yurt that is yeah. only 175 a night that has got this incredible view and everything's done so wow. beautifully. Um, there's some cool spots, but yeah, I've been out to dinner before in Sebastopol and you're like, man, this is a diverse crowd. Yeah, it, it really is. You got all the, you know, the hippies in the park and then you got mm. all the, the, the older San Franciscans that moved up there 30 years ago and they don't want, they don't right. want tourists in their little town. No, they don't and want, this is pre Barlow. Yeah, see, and yeah. actually, we were across the street from the what became the Barlow, mm-hmm. and the entire time we were there, it was like, oh, the Barlow's coming, the Barlow's coming, that'll that'll infuse it, that'll, that'll bring help. people, that'll bring foot traffic. It it, but the city people on city council, the old hippies didn't want this to happen. That's what I hear, right. and so they were like, no, and they would block it, and they would put it back before design review, and then put it back before design, review, and keep going and keep going. Mm-hmm. They went round and round and round to finally get this thing done, and it, it really it it. Should have put I, it up they higher. They talked about it for six years. <laughs> yeah, they should have. Right. Put that should thing have put up the, well, another put fifty feet around it. So, no. I mean, I know the gang over at Village Bakery, and they were they were. It's such a bummer. Yeah, they were. They're just finally getting it back together, but they still haven't gone back into commercial yeah. production and stuff. And it's just gonna be so tough yeah, to have to deal so with that. Hardening. Were you there with the um, floods in in New Orleans, the hurricane, and I left right before right before that whole thing. Yeah, because I. I think the same as like the fires. I mean, that would be such a hard thing to go through and just so sad to see, you know, your friends places underwater and just yeah, trying to get your business back going. And 
It was, yeah, it was really tough. It was, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it hit a lot. I mean, the, the, that hurricane Norris devastated probably, a lot yeah. more people than even we dealt with oh, as far as far totally. as the volume goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I went back six months or so after, mm-hmm. um, and I, I got to see firsthand the stuff that hadn't even, they hadn't even started to clean up yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? They had yeah. just, they were just getting around to, mm-hmm. you know, as we have a saying, South South, you know, I'm finna get ready to start doing that, you know, like, yeah, yeah kind of get ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to get ready to start, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know, I love that. Gonna <laughs> um, get ready to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, so they, uh, but, but were, when you got here, um, you know, so I mean, but seven years that uh, you meet a lot of people and mm-hmm. a lot of regulars and you have a clientele and mm-hmm. defining your, because I would think now that you're doing local Sonoma County produce bounty mm-hmm. meets your New Orleans style. Yeah, I mean, it's not... I'd say the New Orleans food, it's it's mostly common stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, things that we, we eat regularly. So, yeah, I mean, some of the... Um, some of the most fun is when you have somebody bring you something really, really special, you know, buying, getting stuff off a local farmer, you know, from like, mm-hmm. like the kids of... If, you're talking about here, you know, mm-hmm. like, and right now with tips and everything, like having the kids from, you know, Be Well Farms yeah, so call me up and adorable. go, I, I have, I have this and I have this and I have this for you. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, bring it, you know, mm-hmm. sure. I'll take all the tiny eggplant you have, or I'll take all the tomatoes you can bring me mm-hmm. and I'll figure something out with them, you know, and I'll mm-hmm. feature that. So that's, that's always a lot of fun. They would just bring me stuff yeah. like, you know, boxes of Jimmy Nardellos or something. And just fry, <laughs> just just pan fry them up mm-hmm. real quick, and you know, mm-hmm. put some kosher salt on them, and put some remoulade next to it, and be like, "That's all you need." Right. You know, don't. Yeah. It's like start with something good and don't screw it up. Right. Sort of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the one of the cool things about the local food, and it's I find that having a little bit of New Orleans twist works, but I find it going straight Creole. I don't. I just. I don't know if there's enough. No, market no, for you're it right, you're right to like to stay in a purely creole mm-hmm. restaurant is kind of hard to do oh we learned that the hard way with the gaucho mm-hmm. um you know way before it's time when we opened that restaurant that's what people said about starlight too they're like oh yeah. you're just so far ahead of your yeah, time exactly like, I hear that one more time yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then when you close they're like god why did you close i miss that place so much mm-hmm. I would. I was there all the time. Well, no, you weren't because yeah. I would be still in business. And there, well, there were some people who were there all the time. Yeah. And and there, you know, I've still I have friends who who were regulars there who have become regular customers of like the food trucks. They like mm-hmm. my friend Sonia has hired the food trucks like three different times wow. because of because we know each other from Starlight yeah. or whatever. But um, you know, so was um, okay. Well, I don't want to get ahead of us. But so from the Starlight, then where'd you go? Um. I wound up uh, a couple little projects. Like I tried to do something with Narayan from Yeti. You know mm-hmm. Yeti, yeah, sweet, mm-hmm. super sweet guy, lovely mm-hmm. family. Himalayan, we, Himalayan food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, we yeah. tried to do a little project together. Didn't like in what became Aventine. The, oh, the gristmill. Yeah. yeah, we tried to do the gristmill thing. It didn't. Okay. It didn't really work out. Uh huh. Um, it was a lot to do with the new ownership of the building. They yeah. Wanted, okay. They so wanted it was too that much. time? Was yeah. it when Fluger sold it? Yeah, and the rent people. was going to be doubled, and we're just like, yeah. "There's no way this is going to be yeah. sustainable. It's too big a space at that yeah. rate, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever." There was, and there was some other stuff too. I went from there. I bounced down to a place called Pub Republic in Petaluma. Uh, public, public, Pub Republic, Pub Republic, Pub Republic. Yeah. Yep. yeah, off uh, yeah, Lakeville down there. Mm-hmm. Um, they had kind of a 
um, they they need some fixing. They need a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. It was so that was actually it was there's this is if you want to hear a funny story about what I think is probably my funniest interview. Mm-hmm. I go in and I sit down uh, to interview. It's I think it's like two in the afternoon. Wait, what so, position are you interviewing for? Executive chef executive or, executive or chef, chef okay. to cuisine, I guess. Okay. Um, whatever. I have to you know. There's no there's no chef. There's no sous chef. Like they they're go, like couple, there's you know, a couple of cuts. Been like a month and a half in, burger. and they're just like it just kind of. Oh God! Wait, stuff. is this when Josh Silver? Did he come after you? I don't think so. From Syrah. He was at Pub Republic. I thought he went in at some point to do some consulting. He may maybe have. it was way after. It must have been because there was a guy mm-hmm. who came in after me. I can't remember his name, but there's a guy mm-hmm. who came. And I guess he didn't last long, and I don't, I don't really know what happened. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't um, matter. But um, I do so know what your I, interview. My interview. So I'm supposed to. I think it's like we have a two o'clock appointment, and I come in, and um, owner walks up and goes, "Hey, uh, something came up. I got to do something. Can you just sit tight?" And I was like, "Sure." It's like, "Do you want something?" And he hands me the bar menu, and I go, "Okay, cool." I was like, "I wonder if it's appropriate to order a beer during your job, <laughs> you know?" Because I am off. Um, so I uh, was sitting there. And um, I said, yeah, give me the, give me the truffle fries, you know, and it's supposed to be fries with parsley, truffle, garlic, Parmesan, like, and then an, and a garlic aioli on the side. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's a barometer. Like it's fries. Right. With stuff thrown at it. Like it can't, you can't really muck that up. Can you? They bring it out. I go to try to eat it. The French fry is brown and soggy and floppy. Mm-hmm. And then I try to stick it in aioli, and the aioli isn't really aioli as so much as it's like a congealed garlic oh. puree. It has no salt, it has no acid, it doesn't have enough oil to even move. And I took, I, I ate like two fries and I stopped. And then Mark walks back out and he says, oh, what do you think? And I was like, can I be honest? This is terrible. This is inedible. And it's not a good basket of fries. And it's like, I said, and he's like, what's wrong with it? I was like, well, first of all, you're using russet potatoes instead of Kennebecs. Which would make right. a much better French fry because they have a higher starch content, lower mm-hmm. sugar content. They actually, you get, you know, you get a you get a crust from them. You get so uh, uh, russets are going to brown before they ever get crispy. So you need to scratch that idea. In my opinion, I said also this is not aioli so much as a puree. Like this amount of garlic is over the top. You know, you should use far less of it, and it should be blended into a proper aioli. And it needs some acidity, and it needs some salt. Like it's that those are the things right. that are going to make it balanced. I said, if you did those two things to this dish, change the potato and fix this sauce, you'd have something super tasty on your hands. And he's like, when can you start? (laughs) (laughs) And I just, it was that breakdown. But here's the thing was I, you know, up to that, that was the first reason I thought was funny. It was the first interview in my life where I sat down and I just didn't give a shit if I got the job or not. I was like, yeah, I I, like, and it's so uh, you're free suddenly to be like, eh, okay. Yeah. You know, and I was there for about a year and a half and it was, Mm -hmm. you know. It was it was a it was a monster of a place because it was busy mm-hmm, all the time, mm-hmm. and I finally got burned out and I was like I'm not gonna do that anymore, and and I was at that point I was thinking about getting out of the business, or at least going in it maybe I maybe I'll do a food truck, right, uh, and then I saw an ad on um, or my wife did actually she saw an ad. so are you guys married at this point, Stacy no yeah when did you guys get married where did you meet. We met when so remember I said I did a little stint in L.A. Mm-hmm. I got a job as a sous chef at some snazzy ass place that opened up in um, on uh, down in Pasadena on Colorado Avenue, like right on the Strip, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
um, which was my dad's old stomping ground when he was a teenager, he told me. So it was kind of neat. I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, um, there was a chef, and um, she kind of fell apart when she didn't get the, re- the initial reviews that we were supposed to get from the LA Times or whatever, because I guess it was we were supposed to break her off more money if we did or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it all kind of mm-hmm. fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only got two stars instead of three or something. Um, and uh, the other sous chef there took over as chef. I stayed on. And at that point, we our pastry chef was just being worked to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and he needed an assistant. And the other sous chef, that now chef there, my my buddy Ray um, knew somebody, knew somebody, and then Stacy walked through the door one <laughs> afternoon, and I was just immediately smitten. So, just that, that and then so quick. that so so then we we had like she I kind of had a, on a, she had like a boyfriend or something and maybe a little bit some kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and I was I had I was living with my girlfriend at the time. It was a serious girlfriend that I'd known mm-hmm. for years, um, that actually moved to L.A. in part to to be near her and also because my cousins are from LA they were in the in the movie business but that's a whole other story um they're the ones that did Starlight with me that's why it was like set design Mm -hmm. right so um anyway uh they the cousins were moving up here I decided to come up with them and help consult and open this little wine bar with them right and then I stayed and then like a year and a half go by and I just call up Stacy and I'm like hey we're gonna we're gonna be down at Willow Springs racing motorcycles in the desert for a couple of days, and then after that, we're gonna be in LA for a couple of days. You want to hook up and have a cocktail? She's like, okay. And then from then on, oh. yeah, and that was eleven years, ten or eleven years ago, Very something cool. like that. Yeah. So we've been married for six. And, and then she moved up from LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you went, you were still at the Starlight, mm-hmm. and she so, got and then, a job at Alice's Restaurant down the street. Okay, um, right yeah. there used to be the old bank in Sebastopol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. she worked yeah. there for a minute, um, and then from there she got the sous chef job at um, at St. Francis Winery. Oh, and she was there for years. Was she with Brian Jones when no, Brian was, was there before Brian? She was she was in competition with Brian for the job. Okay, she was the sous okay. chef with Dave under okay. Dave okay. under Dave Bush for six years. And she was past silence. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's okay. Mic drop. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Dave worked for us yeah, for a her, while. Yeah, yeah, so that's probably so he knew Brian and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like it worked out. It did. And so she's yeah, she's in this she, multi-million trillion dollar winery. Yeah. Yeah. So she yeah, she ran awesome. she worked the kitchen there for a while, and then she went to um, after after that um, there was a executive sous chef position open at. Ramsgate she went over there and then she worked her way up to executive chef now there so that's awesome she's uh yeah she's happy pretty yeah. much I mean there's you know there's every job happy as you can be yeah stuff. because you know yeah. every job has its challenges um of course especially in the culinary industry but uh I think overall it worked out she landed yeah. where she was supposed yeah. to be and it's a all yeah. it's a very girl power sort of place mm-hmm. you know everybody in charge is a, is a lady so pretty pretty much so mm-hmm. it's just like you know it's 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 wonderful to see really you know yeah so um and then okay so i know i just threw the stacy i wanted to know where you guys met 
But then you said, maybe I'll work on a food truck. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's right. We were. So we'll go back to that part of the story. Okay. So I was getting burned out in the restaurant business. Um, and I was like, maybe a food truck. So she sees this ad. And it's the Pride Focus. puts that out. And I go. So I respond. And um, we talk a little. And then it's like, okay, well, I'd like you to cook. So what they did was they parked the truck Wait, out. did they own the truck then? They owned the truck. Yeah, it they hadn't had been, gone out yet, though. They, no, they had been out. They did that first that first season mm-hmm. at the farmer's okay. market, and okay. then they parked it in front of the scooter shop for a little bit. Right. And they had to right. go around with the city about the rules surrounding that. And right. Yeah, so then it kind of slowed down. It was that winter That's right. that, we, that we found each other. And, um, and they had... Uh, Basically, it was just parked in somebody's yard as a plugged in somewhere, you know. Um, but that thing's expensive, right? Um, the first one to run, to I mean, buy, I mean, what? Yeah, to have it, to have it, and not be using it seems like a a big well, waste. Yeah, well, that was good. never the intention. So that's that's where Andrew got the idea. He's like, look, we have this mobile kitchen. We don't necessarily have to just do our little menu of mm-hmm. you know we could do anything out of here. What if we could cater some weddings? Because somebody basically said, "Hey, I'm having a wedding, but I want it to be like backyard barbecue. Will you come mm-hmm. sling, mm-hmm. you know, sandwiches and roasted veggies and stuff like that?" Because I want to keep it simple. And he was like, "Yeah, keep it simple. Do backyard, but yeah, but we could upscale it a little bit. Mm-hmm. What if we had some talent behind this?" And I think up to that point they had been hiring yo-yos from like Craigslist as temps or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they got their hands on a guy who, I think he was a sous chef at Grapevine Catering and he was helping out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, I think they were exposed to a couple of consummate industry professionals and they were like, holy shit, when you have people who know what they're doing and yeah, this is their, their job, like stuff happens, yeah. you know? And then you, it, he, they started to realize, hey, we can elevate this whole thing. So that's what happened. So that's, I wound up getting a job after doing a little cook-off mm-hmm. with some, against some other girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the plan, the, the, the theme of it was you had to use, you know, had to do multiple courses, had to use tri-tip in at least two of them, and had to, um, you know, like, what else could you do? Basically, it was like, what you else could like you do? You were, like, interviewing against another person? Yeah, we had to cook off. She cooked one day, and I cooked the next day. And, and Oh, okay, you weren't doing it simultaneously no, in no, front of each one, other. No, oh, one, my one, God. Yeah. Stabbing each other in the yeah, food truck. Yeah, it'd be like, <laughs> what, apparently, it's like know. reality TV and reality. <laughs> yeah, so it was just, yeah, it was sort of a a demo sort of mm-hmm. thing but it was tricky so what'd you make first course was like six different kinds of pickles mm. um with some with deviled eggs or something and then the next course was uh, i think i took i made a i made like tri-tip chili tamale or mm. something mm-hmm. like messed with that idea i don't know i threw some stuff out there that uh w- hopefully would get anyway i, mm-hmm. I guess it was it wasn't much of a contest apparently is what I was told later, which is kind of kind of ego boost whatever. <laughs> like, okay, good, I got it. All right, and then I thought, how fun! And then I had to learn a whole new business and the limitations of the thing. Um, but if you think about, there's a, definitely a special quality to to being able to do that. Like you, I'm also a shade tree mechanic, which has come in super oh, handy. You can't really buy a food truck without knowing how what's the engine or yeah, how to fix something. Well, in that first year that I worked for them, so so there's two trucks now, but right. the first one is an older truck, and it actually needed some work, and but you weren't aware of it because it was like when they got it, everything worked fine. Mm-hmm. You ever buy a used car and suddenly yeah, like nine everything things break? Starts breaking. Yeah, door handles fall off. Yeah, and, yeah. so it was kind of <laughs> like that. Um, so in the first like year and a half, I want to say that thing broke down on me five times and it was all different things. 
and they were all pretty simple except for the blown radiator hose on the hottest day of the year. But mm. yeah, <laughs> on stage gulch at the oh, very top of the God. hill, and there's just there's just steam starts coming out from under the doghouse, and I'm like, oh. so I pull over, pop the doghouse off, and there's just it's just wet and steam everywhere, um, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, at first, you know, and my kid was sitting right there and he's like, he's like 14 at the time. And he looks he's like, mm. dad, the whole top of the engine's wet. And I'm like, it's gotta be the upper radiator hose. It can't be the, oh, I thought it was a water pump at first. Cause uh-huh. it's just pissing at the bottom of it, you know, <laughs> just, just, yeah. So, and I'm like, Oh, what had happened was the idler pulley had been, had was spinning around all the time. And it had, was whatever rubbing, an idle pulley it is was rubbing against the top radiator hose to the point that it was just slowly wearing on it. Right. Uh-huh. So then every, whenever the hose, when you'd heat the system up and you build pressure in it, the hose would expand and it would start to touch the pulley. Uh-huh. And then it would, when you'd cool it, it would shrink back down and then we'd heat up again. It would rub and make a little, so what happened was at some point it just hit critical mass and it popped. So there it is Friday afternoon. Oh, you're on your way. Yeah, I was actually, I had did one, I had worked at the Coast Guard station out in Petaluma and fed like 300 sailors and families and stuff out there. And then we were booking it over here to, to Sonoma to go to one of the wineries nearby. And we we're going to do an afternoon thing. And uh, the hose blows. And it's like, I'm supposed to be there at like ready at five. It's like 3.30. I'm trucking. I'll be lucky if I'm there by four. I'll have an hour to set up. I've already worked one shift. And it's hot. It's like, it's a 95 degree day. So it's like 110 in the truck. And then this happens. Um, so I, uh, I called the mechanic. There's a number that they had given me to call him. So I called the mechanic and it's, remember now it's in the afternoon on a Friday. I call him. He's like, uh, let me see what we can do. Let me call you back. So I wait, I wait, 20 minutes goes by. It didn't meantime I had called Andrew and said, Hey, we have a problem. I don't think, I don't know if we're going to make it to this second gig. So you better call these guys and let them know we're not coming. Um, and uh, he's like, what's wrong? I was like, oh, we have a you know, problem. He's like, well, did you call the mechanic? Yeah, 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 I did. And uh, he hasn't called me back. And so, well, we'll call him back. And so, no answer. And he calls, no answer. He was just like, yeah, sure, let me check into that. Hmm? Bye. Like, they just split <laughs> right. for the day. <laughs> right. So I was pretty irritated with that. What happened was, um, Andrew and Susie drive down to the Napa Auto Parts store in Sonoma. They put the dude on the phone with me. I tell him everything I need. I need an upper radio hose for like, do you have this or this or whatever? And um, so the, what they started doing was we were texting pictures back and forth of like, well, I was like, that'll work. Give me that one. And then and then he bought another one just in case it didn't quite fit. And so we had like three different radiator hoses to choose from. One of them's got to work. And then, um, you know, more antifreeze and the tools to take it apart and put it back together and all that stuff. I like, and so he brought me all this stuff. And right, I fixed it right on the side of the road. Oh my goodness. We filled it and drove off. But we, of course, missed our date. And then we mm. went, went out and had tacos. Um, but <laughs> it was quite a day. And it was one of those days that was like, if, if you hadn't had that back, if I'd had a background of growing up fixing all my own stuff, because we, oh. we grew up kind of broke, you know? So, we, you know, my stepdad nor my dad, if the car was broken, ever went to a mechanic. They called their buddy who was a mechanic and he came over with a six pack and maybe they worked on it under right. a tree. And I was standing right there Watching. handing wrenches yeah. and rags to people and, you know, stuff like that. So that's, you pick that kind of stuff up. So it kind of came together that like, oh, this is neat. I was really so fascinated by it. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't have to chef all day. I only have to do prep. I only have services only a couple hours long and then I'm done. And then I break it down, I put it away and then, you know, yeah. maybe I got to change the oil that day too. It's, it would give me variety, you mm-hmm. know? And then, so... They're like, hey, we're really busy. Maybe it warrants another truck. 
and that's when they ordered the second truck and that one was brandy new and the fun part of that was I got to design everything on the inside. Oh, take, that's great. Take the part on the outside and put it together. Did you, was that built here um, in California or was that built somewhere else? That The truck itself was built in Crandon, Wisconsin. Okay. At a place called Hometown Trolley. Okay, um, cool. Um, yeah, or I think it's the other name for it. It's Triple K. Anyway, so the they, truck with the kitchen in it or just okay, the trolley so, just the trolley just the trolley and so then the, the trolley came here and then you built it it here. went to yeah castino's helped oh us design my it. god really yeah david huh. castino did the whole the layout and everything wow. we got all the approvals to the health department and then he had a company that he likes to use called uh galaxy stainless down in concord uh-huh. so then we drove the truck down to concord and we also found a place in concord to do the wrap so it was okay. basically bounce it from place to okay, place okay wow so there was a lot of that going on, but then it was like weird stuff would happen. Like the company um, that we, so instead of putting in seats and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We were like, Hey, we don't need seats, but we need is water tanks. So what I did was I've ordered the water tanks and shipped them to Wisconsin and ordered mm-hmm. the propane tank and shipped it to Wisconsin. They welded up, they made the brackets oh, and everything underneath right. and welded yeah. all that stuff uh, in place for us. So then when it got out here, it had pretty much had everything. But one right. thing it didn't have was they forgot to put in the box for the generator. Oh, so there I am like, there's no generator box. And I'm looking, I'm, it's supposed to be here. And we call them up and go, oh yeah, we forgot to put it in. We'll, we'll mail you the box. We made the box. We just didn't attach it. Like, oh, okay. Oh. So then here I am. Having to a, figure out. Yeah. I, there's a, actually, I think there's a, I remember having a picture taken of me. I'm, I have like on goggles and a, ma- a dust mask and a hat and, a, and gloves. And I'm sitting there with an angle grinder and I'm cutting in the side of this brand new truck. Just stick that. Yeah. Like a, yeah, cut down and Susie's just like, oh you know, my God. yeah, here I am. So then I had to put the, you know, the, the, the box, I had to figure a way to mount that and put the door on and then put the generator in and then the electrician wire, they make the whip right. and then you, right. all you do is plug it in at that yeah. point. You're good. Right. But, um, yeah, there was, the, I had to put in the water heater and then the plumbers come and hook the pipes up, you know, that kind of stuff. So right. it was, it was really fun because it was a lot of fabrication mm-hmm. to do and, and figuring stuff out. And that's what I feel good at. Like I'm good at processes and I like mm. those challenges. Um, that made it exciting. And then, okay, now there's two of them. We got to figure that out. So we got to hire more guys and then keep more gigs going. And, and during the second one, the restaurant was starting, I think. We had the second one going for a solid year. Before, okay, before yeah. the and restaurant came. The restaurant came along because they were look, we were looking for a new commissary. Right. And happened to stumble across this property that had been, for so long, been part of that community. And everybody got excited about it. Our, that was never the intention to begin with, I don't think. Yeah. And then it became... Well, which was why smart. Not? Why not? Yeah. yeah, so there we go. And that was a fun project, right? Yeah, got to the really design... Really design the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah, and... again with Castino. Um, mm-hmm. um and I don't know if, if anybody remembers the way it used to look is the kitchen is now where the bar. Mm-hmm. I remember was, being there during construction. Yeah. So now when you walk in, when you used to walk into that place and I'd only been, ever been in there once you'd walk in, it's mm-hmm. like, this is a, it's like you walk in, it's like, oh, right. it's, it's a yeah. dingy bar. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a little kitchen over there. Yeah. You knew, you felt like you were walking into a local watering hole, which mm-hmm. is fine, but that wasn't the feel they want to go for. Right. You walk in the door now and you're staring at the kitchen. It's all right. open. Right. It's all stainless and glass and no. the tile. 
white white subway tile, stainless glass. Mm-hmm. Um, one one person had to comment, "Oh, it looks a little sterile," but whatever. Um, <laughs> and then when you turn to where the kitchen, you mean clean. Yeah, when you uh-huh. turn to the kitchen, but we have reclaimed barn wood. You know, yeah, it's, it's no. Um, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, Everybody has an opinion. I know. Um, but then you look at the the when you look to where the kitchen was, which is off to, to your left there, you're like, oh, there's a and there's a you know bar to ceiling shelves or whatever mm-hmm. which i got to design the bar which is fun um and uh our handyman alan built it you know mm. um it was just it there was these these fun challenges to to mm-hmm. to grab how many how long is it open now over a year and a half over a year and a half well, yeah well it's a lot you know yeah. opening and getting it ready and dealing with it and then still having the trucks out you know all the time and training that whole staff and yeah. It's a lot. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. 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 um, And also, you know, total respect, um, you know, with owners that aren't necessarily restaurateurs, but are learning along mm -hmm. the way. Yeah. And yeah, I think they, they've done a nice job. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Business is good. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, of course it's winter, so it's always us. Yeah. Yeah. Can all do better. Because there's no, there's no really tourist around, but (laughs) Um, but yeah, being located between, you know, uh, well, it, amongst a row of nationally known wineries does not hurt. No. You know, no. everybody and knows Oakmont Landmark. Oakmont right and, there. Oakmont yeah. is a good. We get a ton of Oakmonters. We do. And yes. then we're not for all of them, I don't think. No. So, you know. We got to have teeth. Well, <laughs> well, some of them, we just lost like 10 people. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Teethless people. No. It's... it's <laughs> And Thank they, God my mom doesn't have a microphone right now. One that's now. good, they come early too, right? <laughs> you know what that's really weird is um, <laughs> they do sometimes. We're pushing our luck they do, Yeah. No, they do sometimes. Um, it was it was kind of crazy. Um, like the paper came out um, to, to, to talk and um, it was the early sort of things. Like, uh, and But that was when the rush was happening at the same time. So I'm supposed to be... You right, know, cooking, do, do, yeah, and yeah, doing it, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, it was, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a mix. I mean, you get some people from, there's some really cool Oakmont people that are come in, oh. and there's one, there's a couple of guys I know that come in late, um, you know, yeah, and but order food the to go. Cafe, I'm sure we share a lot of the same guests, yeah, and God, thank God for them, mm-hmm, exactly, yeah, they're, um, a big part of our demographic, we know that, yeah. but at the same time, you know. Just like any in, in any business, you're not you can't be everything to everyone. And no. if you, as soon as you start trying to do that, you lose sight of your own vision. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a solid vision of who you are and who you're not, you don't maintain your identity. Mm-hmm. Not that you can't change it for the better. You know, if you have enough people have the same mm-hmm. comment about something we're doing, like okay, well we need to really Maybe look at that. About it. But if it's just one off person who's like, yeah. I don't like your fried chicken. Well, you're the only one. You know, so right. I'm not changing the recipe based right. on that. But if I had a hundred comments going, eh, it's pretty lackluster. Yeah. I'd have to go. I really need to step it up. Um, not that that's the case. That's actually right. the best selling thing on the menu is fried chicken. So, oh, fried chicken. So, we love fried chicken. It's, you know, it's really it's inspired quite a bit by by my wife. Um, actually, I should say more specifically by our trip to Taiwan. Wow, so where she was born. Um, uh, she's a Navy brat, so her mom mm-hmm. is from 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 Jai, 
uh, and uh, her dad was stationed in Taipei, and that's where they met. And mm-hmm. um, wait, so what part of it is inspired by that? The, is this sauce? The, the no, the the fried crust. Yeah, well, both the marinade and the crust. So when I was there, it was kind of a revelation to me because as a southerner, you think you have like sort of it, it's it belongs to your culture as thing. You know, something like fried chicken. You're less just like, yeah, that's just like the fabric of where I come from is you know is that it's deep fried everything mainly but certainly chicken right um then i went to taiwan i had some of the best fried chicken in my life and i was like what is up and then i thought oh wait a minute chickens come from the forest floors of asia like that's their that's where their ancestors come from you know that's they've a, the, been, they've been know, doing it for proto a little chickens. while <laughs> yeah the chinese invented expeller pressed oil they invented the walk. Like, okay, I, I imagine Chinese been fried chicken for a couple thousand years before, before soul cooks came along to America and started yeah. doing it. So it was like, oh, I don't uh, have, you know, this isn't this isn't our thing. It's this is goes way back, and it was sort of a duh moment when you have it, the little epiphany, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, so the best, the, chi- the best fried chicken what it was, in your life. Yeah, what, what what it was, or some of the best. I won't some say the, the best, best, but it was a different style. Like we mm-hmm. did the, you know, you you do the whole buttermilk marinated, and then you toss it with flour, and you mm-hmm. fry it slow in a cast iron, or maybe deep fry it. Maybe, you know, you've got your extra crispy. Just maybe use potato starch or rice flour or something like that. Well, all they use is straight up rice flour, and they use a very mm-hmm. light marinade. Like panko, mm-hmm. no, just or just rice, rice flour. flour. There's no wheat in it at all. Like okay. so, our fried chicken mm. is gluten free. Wow. And tips. So the whole dish. I even, I, we make a red eye gravy and mm-hmm. for my roux, I use rice flour there too. So again, no gluten. So you can have the whole thing. Um, yeah. Without, without. Uh, Is it vegan? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the chickens, are, the chickens are vegan. The chickens are vegan. Yeah. They were, so they're, they're they, um, they, 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 vegan. they taste by, like a vegan. It's vegan by association. Yeah. yeah it's vegan by association. Yeah, so yeah. It's only one one step removed from vegan. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the, the marinade, too, it's sort of a combination of a, a little sesame oil, a little bit oh, of tamari, um, mm-hmm. um, potato starch, water, salt, pepper, our house blend seasoning. Like, Is it you, spicy? No. Not at all. Actually, we don't do it. You can dump. You're closed on Tuesdays, aren't you? Yeah. Sorry, Mom. Hmm. Next time. Right. Hmm? Um, but it's a pretty simple... Pretty simple recipe, and you just and we do we do we use Mary's chickens. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we and we do only do thigh Pittman Farm, right? Only only dark meat. Dark meat. Yeah, yep. skin on thighs. Mm-hmm. So when you dust them in that, and then you fry it up, you get this light coating, and then the skin turns into a nice chicharron, right? Mm-hmm. Um, only I had uh, speaking of comments, I had one Yelper say that. That crust was just—it was just over the top, too thick, because she was mistaking the chicharrone for like breading. Right. You know, I was like, mm, that's chicken skin. That's the best part. Like, skinnier chickens. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but that was one of those one of those little things. It's like I, it, we were me, we were doing the menu for the restaurant, and my wife and I were at the at our kitchen counter, and we we're talking. She's like, "You're gonna do your fried chicken, right?" And I'm like, maybe. But I was thinking about what about the little chicken nugget things that we always got, you know? And you can get sort of an equivalent, I think, if you go to the Quickly down on Mendocino. Santa I don't Rosa. know that. Quickly is a it's a it's a Taiwanese chain, oh. um, and they have the little fried chicken nuggets, and they do it with it's basically lots of black pepper, white pepper, and they throw some fried basil leaves in there. At least they used to, and then 
Um, Wait, this is over by the JC? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Do you know it? Well, I'm over there all the time. I haven't yeah. seen this place. I'm going to stop. We go. Yeah, we stop there. We go to the um, the Udon place that opened up over there. That's pretty good. Oh, I heard it's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Those guys were, they used to live in my neighborhood, actually. Oh. I met that family because they, I have a persimmon tree in my front yard. Uh. Every winter is cut, like right now, it's just hundreds of persimmons. Mm. Do you catch them? Taking mm. some persimmons. I have a big, no, yeah, they. <laughs> uh, yeah. What happened was I had a I had a, a a friend who was visiting for the week, staying, and he was leaving. Like we had left the house, he goes to leave the house. They walk up and go, "Hey, can we pick some persimmons?" And he's like, "Yeah, fine." He jumps in the truck and drives away. And then we come home in the interim, and there's, there's none left. zero there's a, persimmons. I'm like, "What's with the dude in my tree?" You know. And so it was this whole this like whole Chinese family standing in my yard. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, but we, we pulled up and, you know, Stacy actually speaks Mandarin yeah. too. Oh, so, wow. um, uh, we actually met him. They said, thanks for the persimmons. And later on they brought us some crazy hot sauce and left it on our porch. And oh, then, that's cool. then they picked persimmons again. Like, um, so yeah, they were kind of, you just have friends. to put up a little table and you say honor bar <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> with know, a basket. Actually, what I do, honestly, we got, I got a fruit picker. You know, the little basket with the plant, mm-hmm. you know? So I'll pick them and I'll just put them in a box on the yeah. outside. Like, yeah. Because if I don't, they, they will eventually yeah. ripen and fall yeah. and right. they just splatter in your yard. Right. And it's a mess. And if you track them in your house on your boot and then it gets on your nice area rug, yeah. it will turn into a black stain that, that no amount of soap can yeah. remove. So, yeah, yeah the persimmons are... I, and I don't particularly like those. They're the... They're Which the, ones? They're the haichias. They're not the fuyus. Okay. So they're the ones that have to be super ripe or they're, mm-hmm. if they're just even underripe, t- yeah, they're just goop. Yeah. And if oh. you don't let them go to goo, then mm-hmm. you, they're good for like preserves and stuff. But if you don't let them get completely gooey, they have that as weird astringency to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like a fuyu, you can slice and cook. Right. Right. Sort Throw of underripe. Salad or, yeah. yeah. You can't do that with high cheese. I had a uh, fruit this week that I've never seen or had in my life called a mamie a mamie a mamie mimi mamie m-a-m-e-y and it looks like an avocado in shape but it's not green it looks the it looks like a kiwi on the outside the flesh is like a papaya with a bigger pit and this dessert they made was mamie ice cream out of i think the pit they grind the pit what i'm gonna look it up and show you because it was incredible i'm like i need more of this in my life and it it was so delicious but they brought this out and and i'm like what is this they're like it's mamie and i'm like what is mamie (laughs) they went in the kitchen and they got it and oh, I'm it, showing a picture. Oh, oh, yeah. So if you look up M A M E Y, it's a kiwi papaya it's with a, papaya. a pit. It's a and kiwi. It's also sapote, S A P O T E. So it's Mamie sapote. Huh. And it was delicious. It was like custard, like eat it with a spoon. Like it was very cool that they brought it out from the, you know, the kitchen, showed me what it was. And it's it says it's Japanese, but I don't think so. I think I don't know, but, but it was now, amazing. Why do you think they ground up the pit? They they use you know I don't think it's because they want to use it, but it's like a fresh green you know like an almond that's fresh and mm-hmm. green. Yeah, that's kind of what this ice cream almost tasted like. Huh. 
Um, but I think that's kind of what you get with the, um, yeah, it was so good. I need another. And then someone posted that I could get the ice cream at the Misha Khan. It has that flavor. Oh, really? Yeah, so I have to check that out. Yeah. Anyway, so what I happens di- you go I to digress. other countries. You go to the country. Yes. You, you, uh, you just, learn things. Yeah. You discover new things about food that sometimes were right there in front of you the whole mm-hmm. time, and then other times they're just something you would never, never, never think, think. about. We actually, but, I, um, kind of off, diff, kind of a different topic. Stacy and I just went on a little culinary tour. We went to Europe for mm-hmm. twelve days, and in that time, we hit Paris and Naples and Berlin. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was intense. It was, and it was. Again, she's my amazing wife. Does all the planning. It's like here's where we're gonna go. Here's the stuff we're gonna do, and we ate everything from like you know just Napolitano pizza to mm-hmm. you know on the street Michelin. to um, mm-hmm. um, then we you know we did one Michelin starred place in Berlin of all places. Wow, seriously one of the best meals I ever had in my life. Mm. And then I had one of the worst meals of my life was in a place in this little joint down the street from us in in Naples. It was just like it's just. Yeah, you know, it was a kind of a hipstery place, um, and it was all the whole thing surrounded salt cod, uh, uh, bacalao. Not my and favorite. Like, so this whole, you know, and they were, and the courses were good. But I had one. I was just like, this is so bad. Like I was just like, <laughs> it was just wrong. It was like I'm in Italy and this guy mucked up pasta, but and it was just weird. They just seemed so, and they were so hipstery. You know, but I understand it was sort of like a test kitchen too, and I think I just didn't particularly enjoy a couple of dishes, um, and uh, there was a sort of air of like when we came in, they're like, "Well, you know, it costs this much," and you also they didn't say that. But they're like, "You better look at a menu, right?" Like, because you might not have enough. You money. might not know what you're looking right. at. Like, you do understand what's happening here. Yeah, and yeah, there was a sort of air. It's like you know what? That's kind of a like you don't know who we are, right? You know. You come to our neck of the woods, it's too, you know, we, basically we know what we're looking at. We know how to cook this is what we do, you know. So it's like this, it's like, come on, y'all. You don't have to. There was a little bit of condescension, yeah. I felt like. And it was kind of, and that combined with the hipster vibe, mm-hmm. I was just like. Uh, maybe we shouldn't okay. spend our money but, here. No, but we did. And like I said, <laughs> half of it was good and half uh-huh. of it was like, nah. Yeah. So, you know. Well, was, that's a test kitchen. Yeah. And that's what, you but, know. But there, it doesn't sound like they would want your evaluation. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, probably we'll, not. We'll see. But yeah, you know, there's a uh, yeah, and there's some other fun places that we went that were you just like the uh, look it up here real quick. The place in Germany, uh, Noble Heart and Schmutzig. Oh, what Schmutzig? Schmutzig. I don't know. Schmutzig? It's, I think it, oh. it sounds like names. Noble Heart and Schmutzig. I don't know. <laughs> Noble it's, Heart and Schmutzig. 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 Am I reading that right? Schmutzig. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a Pixar uh, I animated love, I movie. I love it. It's yeah. like my kind of name. Yeah, Schmutzig. Schmutzig. C H M U T. Schmutzig. Z I G. Schmutzig. Yeah, Noble Heart and Schmutzig. So yeah. it, what it was was um, it was like one of those places where you could barely find the sign. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a dark storefront, and it's dark because it's just curtains. And it's just glass with curtains. You can't see anything. It's like really small. You know, there it is. So you go in. Um. And you're sort of whisked into this. It sort of feels like this swanky nightclub, like low light and hardwoods. And you look out, and it's a counter that wraps around three sides of a kitchen. It only seats 26 people. Nice. And the kitchen is right there for you to see everything. So you're watching all this stuff go on. Uh. Um, and 
you know, you can you see that they have a combi oven. You see the Paco Jet in the corner. You're like, okay, they got all the fun toys, yeah. right? And um, and then you, they bring us around. They sit us down, and they and they say, okay, here's what you're gonna do. We're gonna feed you stuff that's only that's local. Like this is stuff that grows around Berlin. If it's if it's here, like there was no wheat on the menu oh, because they don't grow wheat there. Oh. They grow rye. Huh. So we had some of the most amazing sourdough rye bread I've ever had. Did you get a pretzel? No, I don't. Know. <laughs> no. I'm uh, just being a total. No. <laughs> no, we um, we had like one of the one of the most amazing things we had was um, was just like a piece of a rye crisp Ooh. with like farmer's cheese and a shave of kohlrabi. Oh, I mean, you like, would never like, think of that. Yeah, I was like, it's this is just amazing. Yeah, you know, and they're over there peeling. They're not, and they didn't cut the kohlrabi up ahead. No, they're peeling they're, it and, and shaving, shaving it, it as yeah. they make each mm. one. And the guy whose station it is, it comes off of. Brings it to you and explains it. Not a waiter. That's the cook. What, I got that too in, yeah, in Mexico like, City every single day. It was crazy. And then the, yeah. the sommelier, first the sommelier comes over and brings you what you're going to have with it. Mm-hmm. And it might be wine. It might be sparkles. It might be cider. Beer. Yeah, it could be beer. It could be mm-hmm. any of this stuff. So if it's all stuff that um, that isn't necessarily from around there, but it's all European for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and just... And, he'll, and what they do is they'll pour you a little, a taste, so you can approve of it. And they'll set the bottle there after he explains it, and he'll walk away. You drink and then you drink as, as much as you want, and then your food comes, and he'll come check in with you, top off your glasses, and then he'll take the rest away, and you have that with your food. But you really don't have a limit. If you wanted more, you could even ask mm-hmm. for it. You could say, oh, wait, don't take that. Give me, that's really good. So, and that happens for like 10 courses. Wow. Um, you know? Uh, How much was it? 95 euro, which is about... 100, 115, 120 a person mm-hmm. American, yeah. not bad, not bad. Yeah. You know, for yeah. for the experience, and it was one of the one of the yeah. really fun ones. But it it shocked me. It's this whole thing. You you go some you go to another country and you don't you think you have an idea of what you're looking at. You mm-hmm. think you have an expectation of what you think German people are like, and then you go mm-hmm. to Germany for even just a couple days, and you're like, wow, this is not this mm. is so much more than I expected. This is so there's so much. Well, that's the best when your expectation is low and you go and you just think, and that it's so easy to be blown away. But when yeah. you go in and you think, oh my God, this is going to be the best. They've got two Michelin stars, or they've been written up, or this and that, and you go, really? Yeah. And then you have a you place know. that's like you kind of got to dig to find, you know? Yeah. 20. And that's the thing, like with the restaurant, the girl in the fig, it's like people write these reviews and I'm so grateful for them. I mean, it's the good ones. Right. And it's like, I appreciate it, but then people read and they go, Oh my God, it's going to be so amazing. And people's amazings are not the same. Right. So you go in and you think it's going to be amazing and you go and you order the grilled cheese and it's just a grilled cheese sandwich. Right, it's how we're doing. Doesn't need to be an amazing epiphany. Good bread, good cheese. There you yeah, go. Yeah, it's just yeah. a grilled cheese sandwich. Too much hype. <laughs> yeah, then they, yeah they'll write yeah. that too. Yeah, well, we yeah. all have our detractors. Yeah, exactly. In this business. This is, yeah, you just have to have a thick skin, I guess. Yeah. So um, the word on the street is is that you're making a change. What mm. uh, what's happening? Oh, um, I think I want to either. Maybe duck out of the business in this capacity, you know. Like yeah. I don't. I, I'm in the kitchen most days. There's, it weighs heavily on you. You know, when you, you're yeah, responsible your for a lot of people, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you have the physical toll it takes just being on the line. Um, you know. Um, what would your perfect day look like in your new 
you know job what? that's not I'll, in a kitchen. I'm going to figure that out. As okay. I, go, I guess. Um, well, when, have, when we'll have you back and then you'll tell a, us what it yeah, was. Well, I have, uh-huh. um, I have uh, aspirations of maybe um, opening my own shop. I have a big shop out behind my house. Um, well, not big. It's a, it's a large two car garage, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, in I, Sonoma? No, I live in Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa, yeah. okay. I live over, like, right by where the interstates are. I live in South Park, is what it's okay. called. Like, kind of, mm-hmm. That's, like, north of the Costco, south of the Highway 12, like, okay. in that neighborhood. Uh-huh. Not quite the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I guess that little... Yeah, it's 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 a kind of an industrial neighborhood, I mm-hmm. guess. There's lots of auto parts stores and car dealerships and Yeah, stuff, no, there's yeah. some cool there's um Yeah, there's some cool markets there, right? There's some international markets there's a in two that Asian area. Markets within like a yeah within walking distance of my house. Yeah. Oh, there's a Lola's there, there's um then you know, cash and carries around the corner. Yeah. Which has yeah, been super handy exactly. when you run a Yeah, you, exactly. You know. There's been days when I would park the food truck at my house. I'd go to cash and carry, buy stuff, do prep in the food truck, plugged it in front of my house and then <laughs> drive off. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't and know. So, is it even called cash and carry anymore? That's why I still call it. It's actually called it smart, smart, smart and final. No, it's not, no, they, they're, no. They, oh, they might own it. It's not a chain. They did, no, oh. Smart and finals down the road, but they think they call it smart food service. Is the name. Oh, okay. No. Um, but yeah. we'll still, us, we don't yeah. call it cash and carry. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, I go in there a lot with the business. I, uh, there's just even things for the restaurant because I can't get it from you know right. Cisco or somebody. You know, right. like I call up Chef's Warehouse. Like, nope, we don't have that. Not in that size. Not in that yeah. brand. And I'm like, I want that size in that brand. Gotta go cash and carry. Yeah. Because um, you get you know get used to it. I guess. Um, it's so yeah, your it, sorry, shop. What I was your saying. shop. My shop is a wood is, shop. Well, I'm thinking about doing, I wrench on motorcycles a little bit too. Okay. Um, I like fabricating things. Uh, Pardon? Mom, oh, yeah. you're not on mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so the idea was getting out of the food industry uh, and just, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not completely. Mm-hmm. I, so... For example, I, mean, I could, you could cater a party. Yeah, or exactly. Do some, do some stuff on the side. For somebody, yeah, you know, um, there was a guy I ran into at the um, Emerald Cup. Um, for y'all who don't know, it's a big old weed festival um, with music and lots of food vendors. And uh, so the guy next to me was t- telling me his troubles with his cheese sauce, and I was like, Ah, I, I can help you fix that. Like, I know, I know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so maybe there's something in it for that. Actually, he, I gave him my card. He's like, yeah, I'm going to call you. Yeah, you can come over for a day and maybe help me go through some yeah, stuff. Yeah, which is so cool. And I was like, I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to probably leave the stove behind for a while and do some do some consulting and stuff. I was like, yeah, I'll totally you know, take care of your feet and come over and show mm-hmm. me some stuff. Because he seems like a savvy business guy and he knows how to run a food truck and he knows a little about food. But I don't think he's... He hasn't dedicated his life to it thus far like, mm-hmm. like some of us have, you know? Um... I read a lot of books. I have a, between me and my wife, I have a massive cookbook collection <laughs> that has everybody in it. Like, like you know, David Chang to Odalenge to mm-hmm. to Bourdain's book to Julia Child. Like everybody's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a question, there, you know, you have you have a you build this library so you can answer these questions as you as you mm-hmm. want to challenge yourself culinarily. And I still think that's fun, but the day in day out of making sure the dishwasher shows up. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of over that. Oh, it's you know? getting so, harder and harder. I know. So, um, 
I, I didn't, I'm scared shitless, to be honest with you. I don't know if I can even make a living at all these other things, you know. Um, but if you don't try, you're never going to know. Right. And what's the absolute worst thing that can happen? You have to you, go back and get a yeah, job. Yeah. Well, you, exactly. Well, you, yeah. you I'll probably, I, mean, probably, I want to find something anyway, you know. Um, we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll do part-time hey. maintenance. I mean, I have a, I have a buddy of mine who does, he's just a freelance uh, handyman. And he just people probably people has an ad on well. Craigslist, yeah. yeah. And he's just mm-hmm. like because people need stuff fixed. There's, and, you can't find people yeah, right now, especially who'll come over and fix it right. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, exactly. And you don't always need to call someone like an electrical contractor. You don't need to call a hundred ten dollar an hour electrician right. to come over and put new face plates on all your in, right. in your dining room. Like you don't need that. But maybe you have arthritis and you're not good with hands, can't even a screwdriver, mm-hmm. or maybe it just intimidates you a little bit or something. So you mm-hmm. call somebody and they pay him you know, 30 or 40 bucks an hour, which is right. way less to come over and do these little projects. So that, who knows? There's it's options. Just, yeah. But the idea of building some furniture in my shop, I'm kind of mm-hmm. happy about one of my buddies actually, uh, uh, has asked me to build something. So, and like, it's going to pay me actually yeah. to build some, a custom piece that I design, mm-hmm. you know, and I look at my, I look at my sketchbooks at home that I've, I've got sketches of furniture that I've designed out of wine barrel staves, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have a beautiful curve. They have a very mid-century modern sort of like, look, if you mm-hmm. look at this chair, look at the curves of any chair. Mm-hmm. They follow the same, you know, that looks like a barrel stave, that back mm-hmm. leg up into the back, right? Mm-hmm. But the trouble with wine barrel stave furniture is that it all looks like wine barrel staves when you're done. It's big, it's chunky, it's clunky. It's like, oh, it's great. a barrel stave. Look, it's another Adirondack chair. You know, like <laughs> super. Like, but there's got to be something else more contained within that wood. That's that's mm-hmm. there's some more beauty to be to be uh, worked out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or to to refine the design. Um, so that's sort Have of. Have you considered a teaching? Like you know, in a school, like in a culinary program. You know, that's the thing. Um. Yes is the short answer, but the thing is, um, you know, some some people require some sort of, you know, well, you have to be accredited in, in, or, yeah, yeah. in some right, manner right. To, to be qualified to teach, uh, and I'm sure there's some credentials you can get just based on life experience, like mm-hmm. I have at several million hours of kitchen experience or right. whatever, you know, like how many? <laughs> several how million. Many, yeah, I don't know. Well... You know, one day I calculated how much hollandaise I think I've made in my life. And having worked in New Orleans, that's a lot, you know. Um, that's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I worked, I see, I had my restaurant and f- in four years that I ran it, uh, I had probably hollandaise on the menu for two of that. I had to make it four days a week probably, um, even if I didn't make it every day. Somebody did, but usually it was me um, before that was Brennan's before that was Emeralds and they were, they had it on the menu there and we I used to my station was responsible for making a gallon and a half of hollandaise every day because we split it into three different batches right. you know we had three different hollandaise based sauces we had hollandaise we had bernays and we had sacheron which is I love I love bernays the best but when you add tomato to it then you, right, they call then it you have uh, right. never had that. so we had so you never had bernays no i've had bernays i've never had the tomato added oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. It, it we it had to make that in culinary school sweet, yeah it's it's but but when you when you add all that up you're like oh my god yeah, i have made what? you know literally 10,000 gallons mm-hmm. of hollandaise you know it's it's it's, it's blows my mind yeah. and then so you, at some point you're like i don't want i don't want to do that anymore you know, you yeah. got all the other stuff you could be making. 
I guess. Working with wine barrels, that's a good medium here because we always, that's a, there's a continuous supply. Yeah. Yeah. Whiskey barrels. Um, um, and people let people come here to visit too. They like that kind of stuff. The, you know, reminds them of their mm-hmm. their trip. If you got something made out of that. So, yeah. well, how are people going to find you? Like, how should people find you? Like, if they want to hire you for <laughs> consulting, don't. Or... He's saying, don't come find <laughs> no, me. No, no but like, or for furniture, or for a gig. Or... I'll probably put some stuff out there on mm-hmm. social media. Um, on your yeah. Instagram, or yeah. Facebook? I'll probably do What's some your Instagram, Instagram account? account? It's just my name. Right now, it's just Thaddeus Paul Maisie. Okay. Um, that's T-H-A-D-D-E-U-S-P-A-L-M-E-S-E. Yeah, and so that's that's where I'm going to start. I'll probably come up yeah. with something if I start doing this woodworking thing, mm-hmm. get a couple pieces made. Also, I'm sure you guys know what Etsy is. Mm, right? Etsy's great. Right, so yeah. that's, that's an avenue right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been looking on Craigslist. I don't really see people selling stuff much that's finished, but I see a mm-hmm. bunch of supplies. Like I found a guy in Denver who has uninstalled semi truck flooring, which is basically hardwood slats that are all glued together. It looks like bowling alley sort of. Wow. And the guy doesn't want that much for it. Like for, I mean, you have to pay freight on it. Right. You know, for a six by six piece of it, he only wants like 40 bucks. You know how I could make, how many cutting boards I could make out of that? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's some other fun, fun stuff. It's just a matter of whether or not you're, coming up with designs that people actually want. Right. You know, and people who can also afford because it's not, guys got to make a living, right? And if you're going to do custom furniture, it's, you got to pay for the hours that go into it. And right. Yeah, if you just want a table, well then fine, go to Ikea. But if you want something that's really, right. that doesn't look like it's from Ikea, then, and you can afford it, then maybe you invest in having somebody make some furniture for you. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a risky proposition. And you might talk to me in a year and I might go, what the fuck was I thinking? Because I obviously <laughs> didn't know what I was talking about. Um, you know, and then I'll be flipping saute pans again. Who knows? But it's, yeah, um, I'll start putting it out there, I guess. When, yeah, well, I, I'll tell you, I mean, it's probably not something that you want to do, but we miss our pan flattener. There used to be a guy that had a business that would go to all the restaurants and flatten all the saute pans. So I think it wasn't just a flattener guy, but it was a guy that worked in some metal work, Mm -hmm. but literally they had some kind of a crank and a, I don't know, but like the thing that you, it's got to have like a a, a vice, a a vice, and there was some kind of like wheel. And because you know how often you go through saute pans Mm. and you keep them going and staff doesn't care about them. But there was a guy called the pan man and it was mobile and just like a knife guy. Was it aluminum pans or steel? Like like the stainless, like the saute pans that you use. Yeah. Yeah. We use a mild steel. We use this. We use like, it, it, I've always loved the French pans that have the yeah. flat bottom and the angled sides. They're they're made out of mild steel, and you have to you have to carbonize them yourself. So they're oh, just I the don't black know that French pans. What, oh yeah, we don't. That's not what we use. Okay, that's what I imagine. But like most of the restaurants, yeah, they use a stainless. They just use a stainless steel pan, and uh-huh. it's like they you get could curved. save so much money because they get all the dents out, and they get you know they're flat again, and then you, because once the pans get so abused. The fire, you can't, because when they're bumped and all, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have a... Even heat, yeah. Even heat. Yeah. And they're expensive yeah, to replace, so like, if you could have somebody fix them. It was the best. Hmm. It was the best. What happened to the Pan Man? Pan Man disappeared. Huh. 
Pan Man went to a different pan state. Maybe he got <laughs> worn out of, yeah, you know. I could see that, that not be something you want to do forever, but boy, there was a need for that. Wow. And I think also because things are getting more and more expensive, people are trying to figure out how to keep their stuff longer. Sharpen How knives. to take better care yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. That was a cool, anyway. Hmm. For thoughts, yeah, I'll, just I, for fun. It's an idea. Think yeah. about it. Well, we would, I, I don't we even know. How, I'm not a metallurgist, so I don't even know how you would do a pin. I'd figure it out. I mean, I know a little, a couple of tricks, like if you know mm-hmm. how to anneal different kinds of metal just through using a torch or something. You know, like that'll. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I think I've only watched them crank the thing, and but I don't think I ever watched the whole process. No. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I would imagine you'd have to heat it up somewhat. Probably. So to get. Yeah, it. probably not just a crank. Yeah. John would remember. Oh, okay. But anyways, <laughs> well, this was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, this is just like part of your life, and we're going to get to hear about your life again in the next chapter. Yeah. Well, thanks for. Yeah. Hey, this is it's it's a weird. We did not say where you were where you've been working. We didn't even say oh, the name. I thought we said tips. Did we? we? Yeah. So what was the so name? T- tips Roadside is the name of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you have, I mean, tips. this is your stamp. This is your menu yeah. and your stamp yeah. and, and your the, legacy for the, the time that you were, you know. Yeah. The tri-tip trolleys. Yeah. Um, which, or tips tri-tip or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Tippy the cow is the mascot. Okay. You know, we actually have names for them. The one, the first truck yeah. is named Tippy mm-hmm. because it's got the boy, you know, the I call it boy cow, not really a bull, but like boy cow, you know, <laughs> cow. and it wears it and the, the cartoon thing, it wears a hat, and like a fedora and sunglasses, like mm-hmm. Ray-Bans and a fedora, which is, that's kind of Andrew's signature sort of look too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the cow is kind of based on him in a way. And so <laughs> like the, just the, you know, the, yeah, the, the no, hat and sunglasses, totally, I think yeah. that's, I don't know, but I think yeah. whatever guy they hired, which was pre me, you know, mm-hmm. um, they hired to do that, to come up with that logo, maybe based on him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we did the second truck, we actually Susie had a, wanted it after her. Well, so here's here's what happened. I think, well, we had a, a male, you know, we had a, a patriarchal thing. We needed a matriarchal, sort of balance it out, right? Exactly. The two of them own it together. Yeah. yeah of course. So second truck. Wait, um, is there udders hanging from the second truck? No, no. Let me explain. Here's what <laughs> Ryan. We did. Here's what we did. Uh, it's the udder truck. Yeah. Um, it's the udder truck. <laughs> well, we didn't. That's funny. No, I don't um, no. So what happened? There was an intercompany, like within our company, we had people who could doodle a bit. Um, the contest was said, "Hey, draw a uh, draw the new mascot, the mascot for the new truck, right?" So then um, Hannah Pryfogel, their daughter, she put in a picture, and this guy, uh, one of our other chefs there, he put in a picture, and then one of my line cooks, he was actually a, kind of a cartoonist practicing you know really kind of want to get into the business he he put in one mm-hmm. and then based on the styles of everyone they're like okay we like Aaron's style the best but there's aspects of these other two drawings we really like too so Aaron we want you to redraw the thing but we want to put these two characters incorporate this so that's where she got like the heart sunglasses mm-hmm. and she's wearing like a waitress outfit or like a like a 50s housewife I'm not sure what you would call it it's like a polka dot apron you know whatever mm-hmm. And then she, but she's got a name tag and it says Trixie right Trixie so then we and it was very cool the Kickstarter right it was Kickstarter where people could get their names on it yeah we did that to just kind of offset the crazy expensive doing it Mm -hmm. Um, it worked on the first one it worked a little you know worked on the second Mm -hmm. one somewhat too the second drug was 
considerably more expensive though. Of course. Because uh, it was brought brand new and we had all the custom metal work done mm-hmm. and Castino helped design it and all that. So every, all those people got to be paid. Yeah. Um, so electricians, plumbers, it's, it's it quite yeah. expensive. Um, then you've got all your licensing and fees and approvals and think about a food truck is you don't like if you build a kitchen in 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 a restaurant the health department has to come out and approve it like you submitted all your paperwork to the county to make sure everything's up to code right and then they come out and check the work as it's being built if that's the case if it's already built it's already approved right mm-hmm. um and then the health department comes in and say they look at your menu they want to make sure that your kitchen can support your menu that you have hand sinks in the right spots blah blah, blah all that kind of stuff right um, food trucks, they have to, you have to go through that, but you have to go through one extra step, which is the state. You have to have like the, the mm-hmm. safety inspector come out and look at how everything's put together. So it's not the county now that approves your truck. The state approves your truck and you get this very valuable little sticker mm-hmm. that I actually heard that, and this is the inspector that told me that, is that he has to sometimes, he gets calls to reinspect trucks because it's supposed to be on the outside of the truck, but over in the East Bay, it's so cutthroat. People will steal stickers off of your truck and put it oh, on their wow. truck just to get God, by for a while. So, so people put them inside now. Apparently, huh. that's what he was telling me. So, um, but yeah, you, all these different yeah. things, you, hoops you got to jump through to get a truck built is kind of crazy. Um, we we went through the same thing, and John tried to do it in by ourselves here. Mm-hmm. Went through the whole process of filling all the forms and just went downtown and it was just he's like forget it i can't do this and this is like thousands of pages that he's already like put together so we had a truck built for us i don't know indiana or somewhere else great company did a great job and they have the state inspector that is there Mm -hmm. in their state but qualified to do the california inspections well to this day and i think i've said it on the show before we did the whole truck, and when it got back here, we had to do a few other things. Or no, it was there, and we had to redesign part of the kitchen in the truck because they needed that turnaround for a wheelchair. The full-on, you know, 39-inch whatever. Mm-hmm. So we moved a stove, we moved a flat top, we, you know, changed trimmed down some of the stuff and we did that in the truck in the truck there had fits for all your for all the people all your potential. paraplegic line cooks yeah but they never made us put a ramp in <laughs> they there's yeah, no there was get... no there's no rule there's no anything about how to get in the truck but you had to have that room to be able to work in the truck so I'm not making a comment about it. I'm just relaying a story. It's there's experience. a lot of crazy rules like that. Like okay, speaking of crazy rules, I was just at the weed thing, right? The Emerald Cup, mm-hmm. and everybody's walking around just smoking. And they have signs put up, like you know, at your restaurant, you put up a sign on the patio that says "No alcohol beyond this point," right? Right. Theirs was like, uh, "Finish your bowl, finish your joint, no weed beyond this point." <laughs> right, it so rhymes. You, yeah, exactly. It was these signs that were all over the place, uh-huh. right? And it's and it was every fence, every exit, whatever had that on there. Like, put the shit out before you got here. Um, but why? Well, I don't know why. Because I guess because it's legal to smoke. Yeah, but yeah. is it legal to walk down the street smoking a joint? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's legal is to it? consume it, but I don't sure. know exactly what the rules are about it. But either way, here's the weirdest thing about it, though: they had that rule, and then they had the beer in a beer garden. And no you weed. Take, could, you no weed. You couldn't take. No, I think. Well, it was supposed to be a non-consumption area inside there, 
and then you get a beer. They had security people on the gate on the way in, so that you 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 had to drink your beer in the garden. You couldn't yes. go. You couldn't walk around the fairgrounds with a beer. Any yeah. other fair event I've ever right. been to, yeah. you can walk around. Well, with it's beer. a whole. Yeah. I mean, if you do a wedding, and you want to do a weed bar, you there's some major regulations about having a wine bar and a weed bar. Or like where your beer and wine is versus where your weed is. Right, but here's the thing. You can consume a bunch of weed outside, like three feet outside this space, go into it, slam four beers, walk back out, smoke more weed. It's not like you're right. not getting no, all the shit in your system. Course, you know what I mean? Course. You still get... Dude, I saw a dude fall down there. Fall down and I think he... You're not surprising me. Like, like I would expect you mm-hmm. to say I saw a thousand guys fall down. Right. <laughs> well, this guy, this guy was so relaxed, he fell down, and I think he may have soiled himself as well. Oh, I don't geez. know. It was, it was mm-hmm. not a pretty thing. Um, I want to know what kind of weed he was smoking. A lot of whatever, and there's oh, don't forget there's edibles too, and like yeah. those oh, hit right. you that in a whole, whole different thing way. Is so yeah. scary that and whole. You can get. I yeah. mean, it's it, it's my understanding. It's pretty much impossible to OD on weed, but you can knock yourself though out. Like you can be yeah. down for the count. This guy was literally waiting outside the bathroom, and he was leaning on a table. And he just fell asleep, I guess. And then he just rolled over onto the floor. <laughs> Damn near hit me as he fell. But he had a backpack on, so he kind of rolled over that and kind of flipped onto his side. And everybody was stopping and said, you okay, buddy? You hit your head? You're fine? He's like, I'm perfect. I'm like, okay. That's where you want to be? Enjoy. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like, what's that smell? And then he jumps up and is like, Runs into the restroom and you're like, Whoops. what the? Forgot like, that last part. I don't part. know what. <laughs> Were you waiting outside? Like he literally was waiting to go to the bathroom and fell asleep? Like, cause uh, I don't know if that happened. You got to be pretty damn high for that to happen. I'm yeah. all speculating here. <laughs> no, I but know. But if this guy ever hears it, he probably won't even remember that it happened to him. Maybe. And I'm, I, I'm, I don't know the dude's name. I can tell you what he looked like. But like, I just thought it was a thing that was, it, it stuck in my memory. Because like I said, the guy almost fell on me. Um, But uh, I just thought it was strange that, that, you couldn't get yeah well there's a lot of rules that we just really don't understand why they came as a matter of fact what they did too to make sure that you couldn't sneak beer out of the beer garden they put two rows of that metal police fencing two rows and they moved them far enough apart that if you were to try to pass a beer like you could just slip a beer over one you know through the grate but if to, to get a beer from inside the garden outside the garden you would have to lean over like this five foot oh expanse, which would be pretty obvious what you were doing. Right. And therefore the security guys would go, no, no, you yeah. know, come take your beer away. <laughs> um, I just think it's funny that a place that ostensibly so we're crazy. all going to consume what we want responsibly right. as adults. You know, it's your own body. It's your own meat. You put ever put, I think all these vices, they should all be legal, you know, like whatever, do what you want to do with your, just have the cops there body. in the parking yeah. lot on the way out. So yeah. if anyone tries to get into a car that looks obviously like the dude who shit his pants waiting to go to the bathroom that <laughs> maybe that guy shouldn't be driving there should yeah. and but i'm saying that's about responsible consumption you know what i mean like right. hopefully that guy got a ride home i certainly don't want him on the road that's another weird thing is like y- you can test for sobriety when it comes to how much alcohol you've concerned how do you test for sobriety for weed like without doing a blood test which is invasive which you have to either be in custody to get that or you have to surrender it voluntarily so there's no way to really test for that i'm sure cops have We're had the training wild, on wild it. west right now yeah when it comes to that stuff but it's still i still agree that it should all be legal it but really... well but the but the thing is not everybody's responsible That's and a... not everybody cares about you know kids 
walking around or pets or well that's what no, i'm just saying in my I, you know yeah, my, no, in my in utopian real, right, exactly, society i built exactly. in my own brain everybody is responsible and everybody's exactly. doing the right thing yeah people should have the right to do what they want to do yeah so. but there's a lot of crappy people out there indeed there are but yeah. not on this show and anyway well here's the thing though it's like the the problem with with all of it is like it has to it needs to be legal because there's so many people incarcerated right now yeah in states like Texas because they had a joint in the ashtray yeah. and now they're going to do stuff three years. Yeah. You know, and you just created a criminal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You just took right. a kid, exactly. a 19 year old who would have probably turned out. Okay. He just likes getting high and now he's got to do a couple right. years because right. you have such strict laws on something like that. It's just, a, it's just an herb yeah. and it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. We could go on for hours about this We could get into a whole other subject. Exactly. But we're not going to. Come on, let's talk politics and religion. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) I'm kidding. I said that as a joke for everybody who knows me. (laughs) (laughs) So this was fun. Um, It was so nice getting to know you today, Thaddeus. Yeah, really cool. I'm glad to hang out. Really cool. Awesome. I've always had tons of respect for you and your company. Thank you. Everybody I've met from, it's been super sweet. Thank you. It's been fun hanging at the Farmer's market with you yeah figuring stuff out we don't know what's happening next year so i did um get a call from the city manager while i was away saying hey want to talk to you about the farmer's market we're thinking about not doing it next year Hmm. wow i mean i think it might not be there no it's gonna there's gonna be something there they need to figure out what is gonna be there but it was not worth our while to do it it's always been one of the more uh worthwhile things for us to do yeah you know, that's honest. At this point, it might be somebody else's problem. Right. <laughs> so, see what I mean? Anyway, like, there's something yeah. liberating about this. No, yeah. of course. Of course. So. I get it. Yeah. On that note, follow yeah. Thaddeus's Instagram yeah, uh, Thaddeus page and look for furniture to uh, to purchase yeah, exactly. soon made out of uh, wine up. barrel staves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you can have a handyman at the right price. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've got a couple yeah. a couple motorcycle projects I, I want to try to get a ton of stuff. And like... Yeah, I have yeah. designs for some lamps made out of copper tubing and like all oh, cool. Just like, you know what? Go for it. Yeah, well, yeah. that's, that's the it. fun yeah. part. Is the yeah. process sometimes of you creating work too much, something. and when you get yeah. that free time, you, you go. You know, let Stacy support cool you shit. for a while. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she'd be thrilled to hear that. No, she yeah. actually she's so, no, she's really supportive. I'm she's sure just like, she's I would love it supportive. if you were around the house more. Yeah. I would love if we spent more time together. I'd love it to see you happier. Exactly. And she, you know, life is short. Got to Got to Make things happen. Exactly. Yeah. So, and we're going to go, uh, speaking of which, yes. hang out with my wife at, at the Christmas party. At the Christmas at, party. At I know. D. I don't even know what we're serving, but it's Ramsgate is having their party at Sweet D again tonight. For like the third uh, year. So oh, yeah. I, I thought awesome. you guys were talking about their no, wine club Christmas no, party. I was going to say that happened last weekend. Yeah. I remember some so, couple. Wow. Your employee yeah. party is in December. That's pretty awesome. Their party. We do ours in the summer. Is there a winery that closes at, you know, five o'clock? I know, I forget. Yeah. (laughs) Like normal Uh, people. Yeah, exactly. I think they're closed Tuesdays anyway, so. Oh, that's cool. But I'll tell you, driving back from the airport yesterday, um, it really made an impact looking at their entranceway. The beautiful wreaths on their entrance, their vines, how they got the yellow and the red to be in stripes in those vineyards. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they did that, but it was so beautiful <laughs> driving by. <laughs> Yesterday yeah. was beautiful. <laughs> Spray paint. Just, you know, no, we're it super, like it was beautiful. super blessed to live anywhere around here. My, mm-hmm. You know, the commute 
driving here today, I had to drive what was 45 minutes from Santa Rosa to Sonoma, and it's beautiful the entire way. Yeah. I really love this time of year, actually, right after you get so rain. So gorgeous. Like, see, yeah. It's cold, the leaves drop, and then the rain comes, and all the little sprigs of grass come up. So you've got yeah. these bare, naked, brown, sort of gnarly looking trees hanging over it and then you've got all this freshly sprouted green grass and the contrast novel when the, novel when the yeah. sun comes out you see this you see the contrast the shimmer the blue sky um the reddish brown of the mountains then the dark gray of the gnarly tree all naked and then this fresh grass underneath and it's just yeah. it's it's just so stunning yeah. to look yeah. at when the sun hits it yeah. You know, um, or even when it's not, even even when it's overcast, and it's, you, you'll still see oh, that, it's stunning. that bright the light. green yeah. and that the, the the trees, and then you'll see, and if it's just an overcast day, it's just a gray background that everything's set on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it kind of looks and feels We're very lucky. Yes. Yeah. So I said, I like going away, but boy, I love coming home. Yeah. 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 So rolling green hills. Yeah. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when, you, when you live in a place where other people come to vacation, yeah. you really, it shouldn't be lost on you how lucky you are. No. You know? And they pay a lot to come here. Yeah. Well, we pay a lot to live here. Yeah, so. that's true, that's, too, as my mother would that's say. True. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. The weather hasn't been great yeah. here, but it's been cold, but it's still yeah. pretty. All right. Well, if you want to check out some past episodes, you can go to thebikegoeson.com. Got lots of info on there for you. Also, you can go to uh, radiomisfits.com, check out some of the other podcasts on there, one called The Winemakers, pretty cool to listen to. Except for the host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mom, how, how much longer are you here for? Tomorrow. To- oh, so that's the end of the rain Tomorrow. for Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. Right. And you're going to miss us and miss the dogs. We're going home to snow. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. snowing at home. I All offered right. for her to stay longer. It's not okay. like I'm kicking her out. Yeah, time's up, Mom. Anyway, welcome holidays. Um not sure when this is airing exactly. Yeah, uh, might be uh, yeah. Happy New Year. Close. Might be Happy New Year. Yeah. But anyway, Thaddeus, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, you guys Thaddeus. for having me. It was a really neat experience. Yeah, it's we it's uh, it's weird to sit and This is like, we just are here without cocktails, that's all. Yeah, that would make it interesting, I guess. Yeah. So, actually, at that point, it's probably when it would digress into like, exactly. like that's we're politics scared. or we're something. Uh, we should do that. The next time you come back, we yeah, should do that. We'll do it with yeah. cocktails. Totally. Uh, okay. Yeah. That'll be fun. You know, yeah. maybe we'll do some New Orleans cocktails. Yes, like, for yeah. sure. So. All right, cool. Thanks for listening, you guys. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.